This is Tancred, and you're listening to Aetherite Radio. Aetherite Radio? How exactly does that work? Someone get Burnholes in here. I need him to explain this to me. I need to know the law behind this. This is Fern Hall. You spoony bard. And you're listening to Aetherite Radio. Please look forward to it. Hello, and welcome to Aetherite Radio Gamerscape's Final Fantasy XIV podcast. This is Lorecast number 13. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You think we have, like, one billion more, right? A billion yeah. more? That's, that's a, a lot. billion more. That's a lot. That's like a that's like a show every hour for like eternity. <laughs> <Well>. Okay. <laughs> Hyperbole. <laughs> Sorry. We better get started. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of lore to cover. Yeah, we'll, we'll be here. We'll be here for and... for the rest of the month. Uh, and then you know the the showcase happens in February, and then it's they they change everything. We got to go back and redo everything. Yeah. And it's just... meanwhile, <laughs> Moose and Athens are just sending signals nope. in Morse code with blinks. Please help us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We've been working on that. We've been trying to establish like a telepathic connection. It's not. It's not quite there. <laughs> All right. Oh, oh no. no! 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 What? Oh my God! What is that accursed sound? <laughs> I regretted that we didn't have video earlier in pre-show when that happened. We we should have let Moose recover from his um, selective larynx surgery before we recorded. To be fair, <laughs> I didn't. I did not just hear that. Earlier. Yeah, Moose. I Moose has come it. down with uh, with a bad case of uh, chipmunkism. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a non mouse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Oh, that's that's, that's, that's great. perfect. That's, that's a perfect intro. Wow, that was such a noise. I just thought that it was something silly, like. Fusion sometime, Fusion's microphone will drop really low, so when we all come in, Fusion will be like, hello, everybody. I don't know what you're talking about. That never happens. So I figured it was just the reverse. I didn't realize there was actually such a It is, but then, like, sped up. Oh. Jack, one, two, how are we doing? Yes. There we go. go. All right, cool. We'll do this this for now. I don't want to risk it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so bear bear with us here on the uh, the video of the uh, the show here. Um, hopefully, nothing. Uh, I don't know. Should we leave that cooperate? in? I mean, that was oh no, that's leaving. That's staying in. We're not going to edit that out. But that's but the like you know, the audio, the audio, right? If we can, we can. That's, that's what I mean. To. Should I leave it in the audio? Oh yeah, yeah this, this came up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This came up in testing, and we were like, no, we fixed it. We're fine. Yeah. Yeah, totally. it totally should won't we, happen again. Should we tweak him up a little, sound-wise? Or we got Craig, we're fine, never mind. Yeah, we'll be all right. We'll be able to do it in yeah. post. All right. Uh, so, yeah, apologies if the, if some issues happen here in the actual VOD. Um, if you want a better listening experience, grab the MP3. Um, all right, so before we get into everything about patch 5.4, um, while we have everybody here, there's something we need to talk about. This is our first lore cast of the year. Uh, we haven't actually had a main show of the year yet, so we need to talk about this now. <laughs> the New Year's message from Naoki Yoshida. Mm-hmm. We get one every year. <laughs> it's always different in every language. Um, so I'm so. glad we're waiting to have you lore guys, because I'm looking at this going, what? <laughs> what? And this is like ready to just Rishiki, jump into huh? this. So, um, this year, um, it is our progeny may never know, wherefore we look unto the sky nor why we dig for truths below. We bear their scorn or watch them die. 
So who's while the we, who's the progeny? Who are these people? While we chew on that, can you try and give us a slightly more dramatic reading? Because um, I think you <laughs> yes. can do a little better than do that. Do it. Yeah, channel channel some acting here. Let's let's yeah. get a little bit more immersion. Yeah, because this is this is big. Okay, let's hear. Okay. It. Use Our the uh, low mic setting. They never know. <laughs> it's not a setting. It just glitches That's out. That's good. That was <laughs> good. good. That was good. That was good. good. Like and, and then and then I'm getting interrupted. Okay. You got You interrupted you yourself. I'm oh, sorry. oh, okay. All progeny may never know, wherefore we look unto the sky, nor why we dig for truths below. We bear their scorn or watch them die. Oh, that's good chills. Mm. Well done, oh, yes. For a So now, um, what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got like. Five possibilities on the table. Uh, like the first time I read it, it was just like moons haunted. Like that's where we're going. It's the moon. <laughs> what? Jeez. What do you mean? Moons, moon's haunted. haunted. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, Bring I mean, out the destiny been memes. Jo joking with us about the moon forever, so it's just like every time I hear about something like space, and you know, we got lunar Bahamut on the table, so it's just like the first place my mind went. But I don't think it's the most likely. But Ethan seems really hmm. excited. Do you want to go first? Um, I mean, okay, I, I think that everyone that was wondering where we might be going next other than Garlemald and was entertaining Ishgard as a possibility is now, like, looking very, very firmly at Ishgard. Um, I mean, this this is a very, like, Ishgard... Uh, sorry, but did I say Ishgard? Charlie. Yeah, yeah I was like, did. Ish? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I know what you meant. Oh, yeah. We've been there. Let, let, let me walk yeah. that back. We've been to Ishgard before. We've been Heaven's Ward, okay? All right? It wasn't a fever dream the last four years. Um, no, we're talking, we're talking about Shalium. Um, the idea of them being the, the keepers of this ancient secret knowledge, mm. um, digging, okay. digging for truths that they're keeping from the rest of the world. Um, and the final line, we bear their scorn or watch them die. This sort of, um, uh, partisanship, I guess you would say in Shalian between interfering with the world and, and helping people or the alternative apparently just standing by and watching them die um there's a lot to unpack there but but for me recently every time we look at charlian i can't help but feel how that's mirroring amarot right and how in yeah. so many ways it's like charlian is sort of the modern day amarot is sort of history repeating itself is you know the ivory tower and all these hubristic um you know scholars and magi and you know supposedly learned people um thinking themselves the the, the masters of the world and you know causing to learn that they have like trouble. debate rooms that they can rent out and they don't they don't go out karaoke yeah. to do karaoke they go out to debate they get a room yeah. they order some food well ever, ever <laughs> since we witnessed that debate in amarot about whether or not to interfere in this foreign country and them talking about no our role is just to stand by and, and observe history that is charlian like that yeah. is exactly charlian to a t um, even if we ignore the, you know, similarities and down to things like architecture and stuff like that. So um, when I look at this, looking onto the sky, digging for truths below, the, the third line really sticks out to me because we know Charlene was digging for truths below in, you know, creating the, the anti-tower, right. going, going down, mm -hmm. trying to find the truth at the heart of our star and subsequently finding Heidelin, studying Heidelin. Well, I just 
I feel like mirroring that Amorot doing something similar, digging into the heart of the star. What do they find? Heidelin's not there. Zodiac's not there yet. There's something down there that starts screaming and keening and making them lose control of their creation magics. It's a guy um, named Gus. Causes... He was the one that built the ethereal seal under Mordona. And... <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something down there that caused this apocalypse, right? And necessitated mm. the summoning of Zodiac. And we don't know that the Amritines were responsible for it, but, you know, it certainly fits the uh yeah how likely the flavor is it that they're the not yeah so i'm just thinking you know charlene and amarot being mirrored and me expecting that to be like more of a theme moving forward right um mm -hmm. is this idea of okay the charlene's they dig down they find highland the amritines dig down what did they find and what is perhaps still down there and what perhaps could be waking up now or soon perhaps as a result of things that happened in 5.4 or things that are going to happen over the next couple of patches um, remains to be seen. But um, I'm interested. So looking onto the sky, right? That's, that's one that people are thinking about the moon and they're thinking about Luna Bahamut. Do we have anything more to that if you guys got anything to sort of grab onto that my my takeaway um i love the the charlayan amarat comparison idea I, that hadn't even occurred to me uh my takeaway was uh you know looking at everything as a, as a bigger picture what do we things that we know of now right so i hear mm -hmm. sky obviously i'm one of those people oh the moon mm -hmm. um but then i hear dig for truth's blow and i think tartarus mm. okay so Tartarus is a tough one because Tartarus isn't a place like it is in Greek mythology. Tartarus, at, at least from what the Fourth Legion understands, is the weapon that created the whole. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, well, or, or what, you know, the down in where the what hole is. Whatever's you know, in the hole. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the comparison, again, like there's so many echoes of this, not just with um, Charlyon and Amarat. I mean, even looking at Alig, you know, mm -hmm. which we know was kind of, uh, you know, pushed forward in a sense by the very people who may have done their own things in Amarat, where if you know what you're saying, Ethi's something like an actual tangible thing that they did set off these events, as opposed to it mm -hmm. being some kind of grand metaphor for like a loss of innocence in the garden kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like we have had these little snippets that seem like something very tangible happened. That sound, these things, the change in all of their control over their magics that caused this, um, which could, mm. you know, be an actual entity, a force, a, you know, a source, a thing, right? Um, and when we think about at least what we know as players, I mean, there's been all of this research into Alec, but even more so now when we were in Shadowbringers. Um, now, when I think like going down into the depths, I also think about discovering even those ancient ruins of Amarat and, you know, these mm -hmm. other layers of discovery that we as players didn't really know were down there. But like, I mean, could there be fragments of other pieces of that civilization scattered between other stars? Like, it's possible mm -hmm. there may be other things to discover there as well, which is really interesting. Um, and the sky, I mean, it has these kind of dual connotations for us right now, because obviously the big thing that the game starts out with is Bahamut, or now Lunar Bahamut, right? Where it's like the moon has been a pretty fresh tragedy that the world is still reeling from mm -hmm. recovering from. But we also have this like sky imagery 
recently um, with some of these patches with the stars and, you know, the meteor showers and mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. of these other things that, um, you know, I mean, obviously it seems as though that our progeny may never know just means that like in the future, people may forget why all of these things are important. But um, it is interesting to me, this stood out that progeny is capitalized. Um, yeah. So mm -hmm. I, you know, that seemed almost to me like that could have been indicative of something. It could have just been that they went ahead and capitalized it because right. it's important, you know, but like I immediately did think about the dragons. I thought about like, I don't know, other sort of lineages that might be of importance, um, things like that. And then paired with these other things that we know and our guess that Charlion is coming up, I wouldn't be surprised that that sort of all ties together to sort of reveal these different levels, if that makes sense. But, mm -hmm. you know, Talk, talking about the Alligans and talking about the dragons are two angles that I hadn't really entertained, which I think are really interesting. Mm -hmm. Particularly when you say looking onto the sky, like we don't know precisely whether or why the Amritines might have been looking up to the sky, but we certainly know with the Alligans, you know, Omega came from mm -hmm. the sky. They reverse engineered Omega and started launching a space program. Well, and, and, you know, there's there's always that idea of like, there could just be like a fleet of, of Alligan ships out there somewhere. Yeah. 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 Oh, you finally you know, hit the last one. People, <laughs> people are going to start yeah. start digging down into the earth and the Alligans are going to come back <laughs> from the sky. We're just going to have a fleet of Alligans. They'll be like, yo, don't mess with the earth. We did that once. Well, it didn't we're always end entertaining well. That. Yeah, we're always yeah. entertaining that. But, you know, the Alligans are, are looking to the sky. Um, uh, the dragons are looking to the sky for a couple of different reasons you know mm -hmm. both that that's that's the past that's their home that's you know it, it has some influence over their their powers and their movements um and also looking out for omega because that was midgard zorma's charge and subsequently nidhogg's charge before he went burko was to be mm -hmm. watching out for the the return of omega um and those are people that are out there still as well and we we have no idea if the amaratines had any contact with them but you know maybe that's mm -hmm. something vaguely we can entertain but i think in like a larger sense if we step back a little bit um 14 the narrative of 14 the history of of this world is about cycles is about this tragic cycle going over and over and over again the amritines making these mistakes which are perpetuated into the alligans which are perpetuated now into we think the garleans in a lot of ways but in ways that i'm sure we're gonna find out um just as much the Charlians, um, you know, the Charlians are, are really the other side of the coin to Garlemald. Um, and our, our mission, our quest, our purpose is to break that cycle. Um, and I think that if you talk about uh, Yoshida's message here at like the broader scale, it's, it's kind of about that, right? Mm. Yeah, you know, it's looking over it it is definitely to me it feels like a justification from the author like let's say we were just reading it it was just a, a uh, some a book in a library somewhere it seems like a justification for digging deeper looking to the sky this is why we do this you know mm -hmm. it, trying to impart like understanding like this is what we have to do or bad mm -hmm. things will happen and it's you know that's why it hit everybody so hard when it came out because everyone's like what do you mean what do we got to mm -hmm. watch out for um, but yeah, just there's so many different groups of peoples that both look to the sky and underground. And I mean, that's why it's like when when I saw it, I didn't even know where to go, honestly. You mm -hmm. know, this conversation has helped me way more because to me, it's just that kind of justification. Like, yeah, I know things are good right now. Maybe it was in a, a period of 
oh, everything's great, but we still have to do this. We have to stay vigilant because of the past. Um, and it doesn't really, like, none of, nothing that I just said helps in any way, but um, <laughs> it's just one of those, it, it hit different, you know? Mm. And uh, I think that's purposeful. You know, the final chapter of the star, this very ominous mm. message, you know, they're meant no to make us feel that way. Um, so I don't know. Between Let's... between Go everybody, ahead. between yeah. everybody, we've hit everything that I had on my list. So I actually feel like <laughs> like this might actually be a pretty thorough list now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, my top one in terms of probability was Charleon, just because every single line I could connect to something. You know, you dig into the earth, you have the anti tower, you look to the sky for survival. That's astrology. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the scorn of not interfering with things, the feeling like they're stewardship over the planet sometimes in terms of like uh, archiving history, but also the Allegons. We've been talking for a long time. We've been joking about how between like the interstellar down converter and the Ragnarok spaceships, they've, they've got to still be out there, right? Like one day we're going to solve all of our problems and the sky is just going to immediately fill with Ragnaroks and that's our new problem. Um and then I had I had the ancients on my list, but I hadn't like compared like connected them to Charleon in in the same way that you had. Like I just had them as two separate entities, but all the same points. So to see them presented side by side like that, that's really that's a really cool parallel. Um, I want your take on the final line, Moose, because it's really interesting to me that the line isn't we bear their scorn and watch them die, right? It's not the idea of they scorn us because we're standing by and allowing them to die. Yep. It's it's talking or... as though the alternative to standing by to interfere produces their scorn. Um, and, and that's why I started thinking about the ancients, right? Is because right. From, from the Asian perspective is we let everyone die to this apocalypse or we interfere and forever, you know, are made out as, as demons for doing, you know, the thing that we had no alternative other than to do. Um that makes sense to me for them i wonder how this could apply to charlian because for charlian it seems like the whole point of the circle of knowing is well we don't want to stand by and watch people die we want to interfere are the are the circle of knowing or are the scions being scorned um i mean not of- like part of my struggle with it was the the tone of the timing of it um, mm. because it's clear that the writer is is thinking of the children as distant from themselves, I think. Mm-hmm. So they're saying, mm-hmm. like, we're not leaving a record of why we do this, um, but it has to be done. We're doing it for someone else's sake, and our only choices are to do it and to deal with the fact that they're going to be angry with us or we're they're going to die getting what they want and what they think they want. And it doesn't sound like the author thinks that they're going to see that outcome. Mm -hmm. So that's why I didn't like delve too, too deeply into what someone writing it in Charlie on today might think. Mm. That's so interesting because I interpreted that almost completely the opposite way, as opposed to like, if we interfere, we get scorn or like, you know, we just sit back and let them die. I read that more as like, especially with the progeny set up at the beginning, I guess, almost like from a parental perspective, like this idea that like sometimes Mm -hmm. we have to be, like we have to seem disconnected and earn scorn, but keep things hidden that like 
if we were to reveal them would mean like certain doom if that makes sense like like mm. where you know like either we choose to like keep all of these things kind of hidden and possibly like face scorn for our you know inaction or for the fact that they don't understand you know what we may know the full scope of mm -hmm. um so either we just have to face that and kind of weather it or the alternative of getting involved would be that everyone like dies if we revealed this to everyone. Does that make sense? I'm trying to figure out it's, how to like. Yeah. It's like yeah, I, I think if, if we sense. if we wanted to simplify it even more, it's like a parent making their kids eat vegetables. It's like yeah. we know you're gonna hate us for this, but please eat your vegetables. That's and, yeah, uh, that's, that's the vibe. Like it's for their own good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, but it that's is interesting to me because then then I think well maybe there are more people in Charlene that are interfering and are mm -hmm. keeping it secret, and yeah. are being scorned for hiding knowledge from people and you know being scorned for sitting in their ivory tower when really they're not and maybe you know the circle of knowing is not the only and certainly not the first group of charlians that have decided to interfere in history now i yeah. i do i do wonder you know uh the, the charlian discussion i thought was interesting but could this also maybe be talking about amaron of course could the progeny be fan daniel hmm uh, hmm. I think when I yeah. like when yeah. I was considering the possibilities, I did keep those two separate. Um, mm -hmm. So I considered Charleon, and then afterwards I considered the Ancients, and I considered. So I like I feel like I have a slightly different perspective in a way, just because like their downfall came from beneath the earth. Their salvation ended up becoming the moon. So we've got the lower, we've got the higher. Um, mm -hmm. we're disconnected from the children in that sense. And in the story wise, we've yet to meet Vana or her 12 champions. So we're certainly not happy about where any of that went looking back at history, but we haven't learned why it was that way yet or how it might be for our own good. So yeah, I could see it being the ancients. Yeah, I mean, I think it's vague enough that it could apply to many. You know what I mean? And right. like, it's not uncommon. It's like for them they did to, that intentionally. It's like they did it, you know, yeah, it's not uncommon for them either to draw multiple parallels throughout. You know, a variety of different places and things. You know, um, it is interesting because I agree that there is kind of this strange dissonance with Sherlyon, where a lot of the people we've seen that have been directly involved with events and are in the Scions, like have this connection to Charlion, right? And like, they are actively trying to push forward, going back to Louis Swat, you know, like how things are managed on the star. And yet since the push of Garlemald, um, as players just like existing in the world, the actual nation of Charlion has been very closed off, you know, like individuals, but, after they retreated, you know, all they left was were ruins in in their wake, as far as we've seen, and it really hasn't ruins felt. Ruins and an old lady. Ruins <laughs> and an old cranky lady with a whole bunch well, of frogs. <laughs> well, we can't we can't forget that members of their senate have tried to assassinate people for like leaking mm. Charlian, mm. you know, magical knowledge to Eorzeans. Mm. It's yeah. not just a case of them being withdrawn; it's a case of there being like this really kind of like a uh, diametric um, partisanship between what the, the circle of knowing represents and what the, the isolationists represent. Right. Yeah. You know, to me, it, it makes me wonder, you know, they have a lot of forbidden knowledge, of course, but how widespread is the knowledge of how to summon a primal, right? That's something that if you were a nation that understood it, you would not want anyone else to understand it you would want to try and keep them from doing it of course 
but you wouldn't want them to understand it because then once that knowledge is out anyone with a bucket of crystals somewhere you know like is this part of that hesitance to join the world you know to disseminate this knowledge is it just too do they think it's just too dangerous you know um and is that why you know if we think about it from their perspective yes we look at this and yes we know about it but we're not going to tell you about it but we're going to keep you safe don't worry about it we're going to keep you safe you don't yeah, want to already told everyone they don't need to yeah. tell anyone how to exactly. sum up it. yeah i mean the beast tribes also seem to know but like yeah. i get your comparison all you know between like an arcane art of great power sure. that you know i mean we even have seen i mean think about the um Oh, in Gridania, the spirits, the, my brain the is elementals. completely shorting right now. Yeah. The elementals. elementals. Like, mm -hmm. the elementals have a very similar mindset. You know, we witnessed the fall of, you know, this great civilization that, you know, we decided to share our secrets with. And now, you know, we're never going to tell anybody again. Oops, you found the ruins. Oh, no. God, geez. Oh, we're really weak. We've been weakened because <laughs> yeah. of all this stuff. But we can't really keep it under control anymore. I mean, there's a lot of discussion around that. But... I could see that being something just plot wise that would make mm -hmm. sense fitting in to like push into Charlion to see as a vehicle for further understanding. I mean, why not have the nation of scholars and, you know, researchers be something that would also open a door for us um, with with more discussion of what's happening right now. And especially with some of the other contexts that we've gotten with like little tidbits and useless fun lore about Charlion and bread and stuff mm -hmm. like that. It really does feel like. You know, they're giving us these threads to connect us to the culture in a sense that would make, you know, like the context mm. of this would make sense for it. But I do think that there's a lot, there's so much, because like we were saying, progeny could really refer to so many things. Like progeny literally could be something like, um, I mean, just the peoples in the future, you know, the children in successive generations. Progeny could be something even referring to like we were like you were talking about with the ancients or even the Asians or even the iterations of life that have happened since then. I mean, we get that whole sort of discussion with Emmett Selk about, um, you know, him trying to connect with life and, you mm. know, having children and how that was a strange thing to him. And then it didn't really matter because they died anyway. And like so we have these themes <laughs> of progeny as well with I mean, like we were saying, the dragons the idea of, you know, um, the brood that came over and all these other things. So there's a lot of different angles they could take this and different, like, groups that they could sort of explore with it. But I do think that Sherlyon, like we were saying, kind of fits the bill in the sense of at least just a tangible plot thing that I think will probably happen. Mm. Mm. You know? Well, there's a lot to chew on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's been... We've been spending a lot of time. We haven't actually gotten into 5.4 yet. Any Listen, final thoughts on... Uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's it's always fun to speculate, right? Um, any final thoughts on the uh, this this bit here before we move on? We gotta talk about tempering. Yes. We gotta... We, yeah. we gotta... Some things have happened. Okay. Uh, so 5.4. Um... The, the big thing that happens here, everybody's back from the first, um, and Ali says, like, you know, I've got this pig. I think I can do things with this pig. Let's, uh, what, what loose ends do we have uh, on the source? Oh, let's cure tempering. Let's just, just take a minute and use our, our magical pig friend uh, to cure to cure tempering. Ethis loves the pig. He's, he's a huge Porksy fan. <laughs> oh, love it. <laughs> Actually. There's... Oh? 
cute. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't buy this. <laughs> I just want to start this off by saying this I was, did not personally yeah, this obtain was, this. This was thrust upon me, and uh, no doubt some kind of practical joke from the community team. Um, I'm not. I'm not too fond of the poxies. <laughs> That's fantastic. No. Now, if now if if you know anybody that gets tempered, you can you can cure yeah. them. Just throw it at him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, there was just somebody stick, uh, stick a battery in it, and oh, <laughs> so yeah, there was somebody in chat last time, and this is the the first thing I heard uh, that was a porksy thing that I liked. They said tempering will be fixed when pigs fly. Mm-hmm. Because they they're little mm-hmm. flying pigs. I thought that was cute. I will begrudge. That's the only thing I like. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my only justification for the porksies, and I mean, obviously we can get, we'll get into the actual lore and stuff, is just that, you know, whimsical, cute things are not unique to 14 in, in the grand scheme of Final Fantasy, you know what I mean? There's a lot of times that you do get these sort of cute, whimsical, fantastical creatures that are vehicles for greater messages or themes. Do I also agree, though, that I felt as though the porksies a little bit undermined some of the very very you know intense ramifications of what this was and this kind of ethereal manipulation yes it's a little bit hard when it's making the silly little like cartoon sting noises yeah. and, like they're like bloop bonk like, <laughs> they're like what can we use for like, this they're like well we have this asset of the porksy we wouldn't have to make anything new sure we'll use that <laughs> for me the, we got the juxtaposition between that that masterful horror scene at the beginning of Shadowbringers, us seeing the uh, the <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna fix all of this with a pig, right? Well, that's just it. It's like yeah. we got that. The, the the consequences of these kinds of transformations of the of the sort of magic that we're dealing with here, right? And and how impactful that was. And then we've got cute little pigu uwu, mm-hmm. and it's just putting putting the two. The, the the two on on either side of the same problem is just so like um it's just really jarring for me it's like if um, gilgamesh and enkidu showed up at the end of 2.0 and stopped gaius it's like what yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah it's it's <laughs> as if it's as if like godbert mandeville just like backhanded dalamud back into the sky you know he's like i got this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or, well, or, and or not know, even that, it's, it's the mom, right? With the giant frying mm-hmm. pan just swings up. And... Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, you'll note, solved. too, that in the cutscenes, um, at the end of, like, Shadowbringers, when they're, you know, they go back and they're trying to, um, you know, the settlement of light-affected people, and you've got the little boy who is just a source of sadness eternally, and, like, they don't have the pork seeds in those cutscenes. They're mm. not there when, you know, Alice is talking about, you know, yeah, we've been having to do multiple treatments and they're slowly coming back. And then they go to visit the grave and there's not like a flying pig there in the distance. And he, he speaks about, you know, his memories and you can tell he's being reclaimed. Like, it is so funny to me because, I mean, they could have had these constructs be a vehicle for this. Sure. Familiars could be a vehicle for this. Could mm-hmm. the familiar that Alice made be in any shape or form? Yes. Could the familiar that Alice made not even be in the cutscenes, but just be like, well, I did it, and it took a lot of aether and energy. <laughs> and would that have been fine? Yes. It's just... It could, it could have been a different colored carbuncle. Like, it... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's cute, and it's not like... It's funny, because it's not like it's completely out of line with the world, but... Mm-hmm. For something that we did, like you were saying, spend essentially an expansion building up the seriousness of and the 
I mean, the, the grisly kind of transformation and that we've dealt with since the beginning More of the that, game. Really. Yeah. It's yeah, like since the beginning of the, of the game. game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like, I think especially with the cutscene engine modifications, I guess is what I mean, mm -hmm. or like, you know, what they yeah. were sort of working okay. on with that, we really got to see it in a way that I think even made that stuff that we've seen from the beginning so much more visceral, right? Like mm -hmm. those those creatures that you see that are like, oh, those are all the tempered people. And then suddenly you're going, oh, geez, you know, or like the drowned, mm -hmm. which we'll talk about. Like, there's a lot of things that have been in the game, but maybe didn't have the full context of like, what it meant for people to have been turned into that yeah. you know and first so it feels learn, a little strange like I, one of the first things you learn about tempering though is like ah that person is tempered we have to murder them doesn't yeah, matter who they were right. yeah. i feel true. like i feel like this is one of the things i've thought about the most since the mm -hmm. patch um because you know as a 1.0 player like that was one of the things we were dealing with very very early on it was mm. this dark serious moral issue where it could be anyone and anyone could suddenly turn on your nation. Anyone could suddenly murder you in your sleep. And, and it wasn't their fault. Therefore, we had to kill everyone who was tempered. And it was this really dark, horrible thing. And then I want to acknowledge before I continue, of course, that the last couple of patches, we have been dealing with things about the soul and how it works. And every mm -hmm. time we brought it up, I was thinking about, oh, this this sounds like we're moving towards tempering. It sounds like we might address tempering. Maybe we could use this to address tempering. So it's not a shock that we're here. And mm -hmm. I also want to acknowledge that the, the solution that we came up with in the Porxies, while I'm going to complain about that in a moment, is very Alize. It's consistent with her character. If she's yeah. if she's right. involved, that's kind of what I wouldn't entirely not expect it. But at the same time, we've had what seven plus years of dark, serious murder stuff, and now at the last minute, it all boils down to all right. Look for the zombie with the glowing eyes and get him huffed on by a magic pixie pig, and not what I. This, this isn't the game I started playing in 1.0 right. at this point. Well, what, what happens now, and this is important, is that the stakes get raised. Um, yeah. And we're going to explain how that's the case, I guess, by talking about how tempering actually works and how these things actually work. Mm -hmm. So um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the originally the, the whole idea of the Porxies in Novarant was to uh, reverse ethereal polarity in the souls of victims of the light, right? Is that their souls were completely static and we were somehow going to reverse that ethereal polarity to normalize it, right? Yeah, I, I saw it well? as mostly like just through the lens of Japanese mythology and what mm -hmm. the soul is and how it's connected to the mind and how it's connected to memory and mm -hmm. that you could you could target and boost your you-ness mm -hmm. um, in some way. And that's like we might have attached astral and umbral words to it, but in the end, it was mostly just like targeting and enhancing your ability to be you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then we go to Azasla and we find some hidden research by a, a, an elegant scholar that when Amon found out about it was like, nope, bye. Because Amon was no doubt a puppet of Emmett Selk. Um, neither here nor there. But um, basically it explains to us like what, what tempering is, how it actually works. That um, primals are generally made up of 
a particular element, most of the ones we've fought, like if we're gonna if we're gonna like oversimplify us, what a what a primal or an icon is. Um, and that being exposed to their ether will shift your ether to that elemental aspect. Um, and therefore you will take on um, attributes of the primal, you know, like with, with Titan, you'll be better at earth magic, your skin will get kind of rock hard, and eventually you'll start to transform. Um, but also what it does is it's um, in, in the same way as the light does, it renders your soul static or stagnant so that the primal can exert its will over you so that your your willpower doesn't sort of is is ineffectual um and that the the imposition of the the thoughts and ideas of the primal kind of take over and take the place of your own thoughts and motivations right am i am i about on top of that so far I think it's where we're headed. Like I haven't, the the problem with my take on it is that like I have been in following it since 1.0. I remember mm -hmm. all those little clues along the way, like, oh, like the soul can only be deceived for one blessing. And, mm -hmm. you know, your soul has been claimed by this person. And now mm -hmm. I recognize that, you know, in 2020, 2021, we're using different lore. They're coming Very up with different, different answers. Yeah. they're coming up you know like this is where they try to tie it all together and there's going to mm -hmm. be a little bit of a noticeable shift in there if you've been playing since the beginning so a lot of where i'm at right now is like oh, okay that's where we're going okay i can take that mm -hmm. yeah like connecting it to the to the astral umbral light darkness kind of stuff that we just mm -hmm. had yeah that's sensible sure um but yeah that sounds like where we're going more or less yeah so that's that's what this elegant scientist says um and this is where it gets difficult for me right he says that their soul, you know, their body is shifted towards a certain elemental aspect. No doubt if it's a primal that has multiple elemental aspects or is like non-elemental, it's going to be a lot more complicated. But in the instance of like a single elemental primal, it's shifted towards that element. The soul is shifted. He says like is stagnated or, or is shifted towards umbral. Um, you know, how we describe a, a, a stagnant polarity um, in the source. Now, that that is difficult for me when we start to apply it to uh primals or transformations that are on the opposite polarity right is that everything we understand about zodiac for instance is that the soul shouldn't be shouldn't be stagnated right it shouldn't mm -hmm. have the opposite effects yeah unless perhaps it's not a case of putting stagnation in so much as about taking activity out and maybe if you're a primal that is very you know astral or dark or active then perhaps you can influence someone's polarity not by putting something in but by taking something out it gets really complicated right because then we have void scent which as far as we know are pretty similar transformation to sinators just to the opposite mm -hmm. pole but they also maintain um, like cognizance and intelligence, at least in some cases, it seems more than than sin eaters. So basically what it boils down to is we're given this explanation by this um, elegant scholar who's like, hey, here's the textbook example of tempering with with no mitigating factors. If it's just like really simple textbook tempering, here's how it works. But 
I'm sure we're going to find out it's way more complicated than that. So that's the first thing. That's the first reason why these guys aren't as much of a deus ex machina as they appear. Mm-hmm. The second it, is... Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say that I, I, I agree with everybody in that I do think that they're is a whole bunch of stuff that they are right now are like puzzle pieces that they're trying to put together and the ones that don't mm-hmm. fit they're either like cutting the shape to make they're it grabbing work a hammer and just like pounding yeah. it into place yeah. so <laughs> yeah. exactly how we can break all this down you know i i don't personally know but i it did dawn on me when you were talking about that that i also recently you know and they've talked about this in some of the boja stuff in other areas as well um, mm-hmm. really making clear the delineations of different forms of ether, like the idea that there it, you know, can be almost like a memory residue that you know, mm-hmm. is in certain ether, that there's like the soul ether, that there's physical ether that composes the body that um, you know, can be used in that kind of way. And I wonder if maybe some of this interaction with, with the, okay, but if we have this energy, which is supposed to be sort of like active and dynamic, and mm-hmm. yet in order to quash this component of the soul i guess we could say which i suppose expression of personality must be an active kind of energy right so by stagnating it you are suppressing it it could be that maybe the way that these are working is that they're affecting different types of ether like so that while you know a a specific element that has some kind of polarity that might be more active could suppress the soul into inactivity to some degree with their own I suppose, sentience of some form using whatever Mm. they're doing with their manipulation, that perhaps Mm. then the ether affects their body in a different way. And then we see like with void set, which I agree has been a huge thing for me because I actually, this is going to be such a goofy, silly little thing, but we recently did a a sort of D and D adventure outside of the stuff we've been doing on Aetherite radio with another group that I work with where we were interacting with the void set the whole time. And with everything that we had learned from Shadowbringers and the sort of personality of this void scent, I kept saying to the DM, like, but this was once a person. So, like, should I be sympathizing with this entity? Is there any expression of who they were still in there? Is there, like, morality affected by what happened to them? Like, we got into this huge discussion about it. But now I'm starting to wonder if, like, perhaps there is a way to affect like not only exerting will over and stagnating the soul, but affecting the body or other energies that might compose a person that would then affect them overall in the sense that their individuality had been removed. But mm. some of those other mm. elements of like, you know, um, aggression, activity, things like that mm. would still express mm-hmm. even if they'd been transformed. Does that make does that make any sense? Any of the words I've just spoken? <laughs> it makes. Go ahead. I'm I'm gonna make a really stupid metaphor. Um, remember the the classic video game enemy, the slime, mm-hmm, where every mm-hmm. time you hit it, it turned into smaller slimes. Yeah, that's what I think the lore team is doing right now. They got a big yeah. slime. Like how how does tempering work? So they whack that mole, but then they invoke the elements and various forms we've dealt with have been elemental strictly in nature. So now they've got more slimes on the table, and then zodiac center. Mm-hmm. You know, Zodiac's power is associated with activity. So they slap mm-hmm. that slime. But then what if they just say, okay, well, maybe that just makes your soul go complementarily inactive to match his activity. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So then you got the giant Sin Eater slime and you smack that. And it breaks down into, well, what about the Void Scent? They didn't have a plan for that in 3.0. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have a feeling that, you know, if Otisan was watching us talk about this, he'd just be taking notes like, oh, fuck. 
You're absolutely right. You're, you're absolutely right that like we really do need to keep in mind that the explanation we're getting here in 5.4 is is almost definitely like totally different to how tempering was being thought of in 1.0 if tempering was being thought of this deeply in 1.0 at all mm -hmm. well I, and I, yeah. no, no doubt what they're doing is kind of an ad hoc explanation um but uh in in, in the case of you know Sinita's void scent, the drowned, you know, anyone that's that's been affected enough, they've uh, they've affected a physical transformation. That's another caveat with these guys. Doesn't work on them. Um, the third one, and the one that I think is most significant at the moment, is that it takes like pretty much all of the Scion's energy to save one tiny little kobold who apparently isn't even that far gone. Is like only just taken like a lick of tempering. And they go, oh no, this is this is not effective. But now we've come up with this mother porksy thing, and you know we go through that that whole process. And basically, what that's about is you know taking taking the ability to um, you know fix someone's polarity and someone's ethereal alignment, and also um, like copy and preserve and re-imprint old memories of theirs from before they were tempering. That's that's kind of the whole the whole thing thrown mm -hmm. together. Um, and they're like, oh, with this we can. We can save like dozens of people. Um, what we see coming down the pipeline towards the end of 5.4 is no doubt going to lead to a lot more than dozens of people yeah. being tempered mm -hmm. by yeah. various things, probably. Um, and that we have the solution now, but that allows the writers to up the ante, up the stakes. And it's like, okay, well, you can save some people now, but how many people can you save when suddenly millions of people are tempers? That's like, you're, you're naming the big thing that I was afraid of right at the end of 5.4, because it, like the two things I got out of this story were they really needed limbs of Lamensa freed up for something. And they mm -hmm. really, really needed tempering to be cured. And so the last yeah. thing we saw were the towers going up and a, you know, the new sign for tempered glowing eyed zombie stumbling towards yeah. them just as mm -hmm. we come up with this porksy. And now the only image I have in my head is just like the walking dead versus this like battle line of porksies. And that's going to be our, that's going to be our new thing. It's just like a, a legion of porksies firing it's not, lasers it's at not, the walking it's dead. Okay, so, so, and I'm like, so, no, no, so inter no, internet, no. what we need, no, we need somebody no. really good with video editing. Take the end no. of an era video, no, replace, no. give, give all the Garlemald people blue eyes <laughs> And then all the Eorzean Alliance people replace with Porksies. And that is 6.0. I no. would be okay with this. Don't if, even joke about that. If Matoya is riding the mother, the mother. <laughs> okay, then it's with okay. her staff, and right. she says, I, and I quote, fly closer, right. I want to hit it with my staff. If someone makes that I, image, I'm okay with it. That's I fine. literally... I literally pulled up a picture of Invader Zim and Gur riding yeah. the giant pig, and I was like, yeah. "I've gotta, I've gotta shop moose and Aos on." That's it. Like, <laughs> there it is. It's Somebody at Square Enix right now is like, "How did they figure it out?" <laughs> I like the the reactions in chat are yes and no. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Theoretically, it does make sense, and and I think you both bring up a really good point on that. So, sort of almost like this has been a thing that everybody has always, you know loved to think about what if our warrior of light got tempered what if so and so that we loved got tempered what if you know it's always been this thing but because there's been such a line in the sand up until now in the story where it's like well if you get tempered there's no reversing it you're just dead yeah. you know like 
that really did shut the door on that in a sense, as in like limiting mm -hmm. how it could be used as a threat or vehicle in the story. It's like, yeah, sure, you can do it to innocence, but we can't do it to anybody right now that we would ever care to have ever in the story. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it makes sense for them to have created this vehicle that allows them to reverse tempering, but not only that, but is a vehicle that's not like intrinsically tied to the power of like one individual who is casting a spell themselves who that, you know, because if we have this other force that's able to do this, you know, I see in the chat people being like, what if one of the scions gets, you know, uh, gets taken or what if, you know, all these other things happen. And so it, it does kind of give them more freedom, I think, to just toss people off the ledge into that tempering abyss and, you know, still not be too hampered for it. But at the same time, it is kind of tough because you're right. Like, what are we, what are we going to see? Is it just going to be a whole bunch of porksies? Like, I think, I think I, what'll happen is the porksy will sneeze on us and we'll discover that we have been tempered this whole time. And we're just going to be like, you know what? No, we're not doing fetch nope. quests anymore. We're just going to go off and live our <laughs> life. You guys are on your don't own. Want it. Don't even joke about that. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I'm, go ahead. You go, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say that I, I just am so opposed to even the idea of, a solution for tempering like just mm. in general i just love that that kind of narrative beat of this is another reason why we have to be so vigilant you know yeah. and you know this is not going to fix it right we can't we can't fix this it. this is this is a, yeah. a real serious thing yeah and now it's like oh we can just we have a magic pig yeah and it's fine well, what i was going to say is that i really hope that it's what you're saying at is that you know they're gonna they're putting it there so that they can take it away and it feels worse you know right. like, i hadn't same. really thought about yeah. it exactly you're right. Yeah. Like we've been in this point. This this has been a thing. It's been a major threat mm -hmm. for ten years. Yeah, and it hasn't gone anywhere. And if you look at it that way, like yeah, okay, it's about time to raise uh, the mm -hmm. stakes, isn't it? Um. So yeah, I th I think I think that's what we're getting. Um. Mm. There was something, something else here. I, I, I want to point out real quick. Uh, every jazz man in the chat. Instead of the great Gubu wall, it'll be the Porksy perimeter. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> I mean that's not that's not terrible. That's actually kind of clever. That's yeah. cute. Um, oh, would that's I want great. to see it necessarily? I don't know. Unless the pigs all look really battle hardened and super intense. All right, <laughs> everybody, meet me outside Old Tower. Doing this. Um, what I was gonna say though is that until this like patch, and uh, this was one thing that I do really appreciate about this whole thing, whether or not you like the different components of it or the porksies or whatever, right? It had not really full scale hit me, and of course it's there, like we said from the beginning of the game. But it did not full scale hit me how much of a political issue tempering has been mm. in the sense beyond like Garlemald being like, primals are bad, so kill everyone. And, you know, but the fact that so much of the politics and the relations between cultures and especially the beastmen has been absolutely set by this threat of tempering. It was something that 5.4 introduced that I was actually really glad that they did because I was sitting there going, Oh my gosh, yes. If this is something that's negated, then peace is possible. And like, of mm. course, there were still, you know, there's still other things like, well, we could have probably made peace before this so that people wouldn't have to summon the primals in the first place. You know, it's- Not with the Asians around. Yeah, yeah but it's been yeah. one of those things where this idea that like, it not only gives power to like, you know, these um, disempowered groups, but that it's also this just threat hanging over everyone and like kind of the mm -hmm. integrity of their own culture and people and the divisions within it and um 
the natural aether reserves in the land and all these different things that have been this massive threat that like trickles down even just to the relationships and, and social structures in the game was pretty massive. And I'm so glad that they finally addressed it because for a long time there has been a lot of like, okay, but these are sentient races of people and you're still calling hmm. them beastmen and killing them on site. <laughs> like it's, it has always been a big issue in the game. So I was really excited to see at least with this patch that one good thing to come out of this was the fact that like, I think this has taken a political pressure off of a lot of the nations to actually come together and to even be able to face a larger threat as like a unified group or, um, you know, as Garlemald is falling apart and hopefully reforming one day. Um, we're seeing, I think, real radical change in just the fundamental ways that this world has existed. So I, mm. I do appreciate that. I do mm. appreciate that. I think You're it's- You're picking up on a, a guys. And... I was gonna say, I think it's a, an interesting point uh, to say that they're finally introducing uh, the political stuff because I forget that most of what we saw of that originally was 1.0. So there's a mm. huge part of the player base who's never seen how impactful that was. Like there were two, I'm going to say two main issues in 1.0 and that was Garlemald and the beast tribes with the tempering. And that was it. Right. Yeah. And we only called him beast tribes because as much as we love him, Gaius came out and said like hey these these people are different they summoned primals they are beast races you need to kick them out of your cities we're gonna come for them and uh you're either with us or against us um the the, the other thing that occurred to me and that does kind of bother me here right is that the amritians you know are uh ostensibly you know 14 times more powerful and more intelligent than the average shard jabroni <laughs> And yet we've now got over them in a relatively short space of time. Uh, time travel, as far as we know, they were never capable of. In fact, we can say like fairly certainly they, yeah. they absolutely weren't. Um, interdimensional travel without having to sacrifice our mortal bodies. And curing, reversing, tempering. Mm. Like, what's up, Amorite? Nobody, <laughs> nobody thought to, to make pigs back back then, I guess. Yeah, I'm mm. curious, and maybe maybe both of our lore masters can can kind of fill this in because I realize that I have a gap just now talking about this. Is mm. there anything in the game that talks about tempering in like with the primals or the summons that were done in ancient Amorot? Like, is there something where they talk about that being a thing or zodiac? Other, I mean, other zodiac. Than zodiac? Yeah. Um, I, can... I think that's the only instance, isn't it? Yeah, well, like the word primal isn't even terribly accurate. Um, mm. Emmett Selk uses that word because it's what we'll understand. He yeah. uses that word because it's the closest concept that he has to what they did. Um, yeah. Most of the pre and pre-Zodiac stuff that you would have seen in Amarat was, um, at worst, they had to sacrifice themselves to bring it into being, but it was still a contained entity. It wasn't the kind of... Um, unchained overpowered elemental that we'd see today the fact that that's what happens when non-ancients try to summon something is the whole point of teaching it to them because it's just going to go sideways in a way that it didn't mm -hmm. in their era so zodiac was really the first time that you would have seen a psychic power so unleashed and uncontained that it bent even the ancients to them as far as we know um 
but teaching that to races that couldn't wield that magic and couldn't power that magic and couldn't put their own ether into it. So it, it leaked and it corrupted the stuff around it. That was all kind of a post-Zodiac kind of thing, as far as we know. But you are picking up on this like untold half of the story that I hope we return to someday as far as the political stuff goes. Mm-hmm. Because that was the whole point. That was what the Asians were doing at first, is they came to the Beast Tribes and said, oh, well, the, the faithless, unclean cities who, teach you, who treat you so bad, they're inviting darkness to this realm. And the primals have sent us to teach you how to summon them so that when that darkness comes, you'll be prepared. And then they'd attack them out of their disguises and their Asian form. And the beast tribes would be like, oh, God, it's the darkness. And they'd summon their primals and try to lay siege to the cities. And that was going to be our big story. But we never quite got there because we got distracted by darkness and the collapse of the world mm. and 2.0 and the story changing direction away from the presence of Silver Tear Lake. And we never went back. But you're picking up on this yet. untold part of the story that I hope, we, yeah, yet. But you're picking, you're picking up on this untold half of the story that I do hope we return to. I wanna, I wanna see that, like going back a little bit, right, to that that New Year's thing and and the idea of maybe it pertains to Charlene. I just have this incredible thought in my head about them as the villain, in some mm. way, right? Mm. And because there, so there is yeah. there is a primal question that we don't have the answer for. It was what was the primal that the Garleans first encountered when they came the to Eorzea? Mysterious Eorzea? primal. What yeah. if it was summoned by the Charleans? I mean, you I know. never really thought about that. Knowledge Wait, gone I, I think I thought about it in like 2012. Speculate, right. speculate, <laughs> speculate. Not, speculate. A long, yeah. not in a long time. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Um, do we need to talk more about tempering and about porksies, or can we go to another unfinished one point? It couldn't have like, just been like an actual dog that looked like Angelo from Eight. It had to be oh, a pork. Like, like Ali say even like draws it on the clay, and Alfie knows like that looks absurd. Like that looks so bad. Like, like mom wouldn't even be like, oh no, that's really good, and like put it on the fridge. It was just awful. And now it's it's curing tempering. All right. Damn it. Let's it's... let's go to Limsa Laminsa, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please. Uh, you know okay. what? I think I think you should let Moose take the reins on these because this is his absolute like pet project of the last ten years. Moose. Limsa Laminsa, what... my jam. Yeah, what's going on? Why why are we back in Limsa? <laughs> who's who's Hillfear? Who's this Captain Hillfear? We haven't I've never seen this guy I, before. You know, I I, I want to I want to take a minute because I thought this was really funny. So I was going through. I actually cracked open okay. the encyclopedia last night. I was going through this because oh. um, I'm like, okay, Hilfer. Like it sounds familiar. So he's actually in the encyclopedia. Oh, they talk about him a lot. It sounds familiar. <laughs> Dude. <Yeah. laughs> okay, maybe not the best use of words, but it uh, sounds they, familiar. <laughs> You've broken his they, heart. They 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 talk about Captain Hilfer in the in the book, um, and he. It says that he has stepped aside because he's, like, old. He's, like, right now he's 69, and he became ill when he was 60. So, so, right? Nice, yeah. And so, like, they're like, oh, yeah, like, Captain's been, you know, ill lately, so other people have been working. He's been sick for, like, nine years. (laughs) (laughs) It's only been, like, one year in game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's been pretending. He's been pretending. Okay, this... No, this can't stand. I, he sounds Please. familiar. 
Jump in. Okay. I'm gonna. Okay. So in 1.0, there was the three great pirate factions of Limsa-Limsa. You had the Sirens, the Krakens, and the Executioners. And the Executioners were the big bads. They were the ones who held everybody together. In 1.0, every time the pirates had a meeting, it was on the Astalicia. They were listening to what Hilfir had to say. He enforced neutrality on his boat. He was just the undisputed Lord of the 1562 underworld. And it continued into 72, really. Um, he was just the guy everyone listened to. So when Meryl Webb came and said, look, the age of piracy is not what it used to be. We need to be a real nation with real laws, able to sign real treaties if we're going to stand together against the threats that are coming to this realm. And Hilfir was the, pretty much the one who was like, you know what? We're going to do it. And everyone fell in line who was not on Meryl Webb's side. But he was he's basically that like the trope of the um, the mob boss who doesn't really want chaos in the streets that mm. works with the police that keeps his people in line that you know keeps that delicate balance he's that trope um and we haven't seen him in a really long time so it did feel weird for in this moment of tension for him to just come out from under deck and like hey remember when i said we were listening to Merrill? that's still a thing all right bye <laughs> <laughs> We haven't seen him also, since right. 1.0. Also, he nice guy. Right. But yeah, <laughs> he he's, he's been sick. He has been sick. And it's the hmm. part of the thing that, the only part of it that struck me as weird is the fact that throughout all of 2.0, the fracturing of the executioners has been the storyline. That mm -hmm. there were different people coming to power in the ranks, that they were launching terrorist attacks in the city against the Admiral, that like there was all this mm -hmm. dark stuff going on with him. And suddenly he just steps up on deck and he kind of bangs his foot on the ground and everyone's like, okay, we're sorry. <laughs> so that was the only thing that struck me as strange. But yeah, he's always been the big honcho everyone will listen to. I don't think it's going to end there. I really don't think... We're, I think we're supposed to feel like it is, but it's it's way too clean, way too simple. Um, yeah, one, one thing I'd like to mention about Hilfir, because most people you know, are, are kind of in uh, Fusion's position at the moment, I think, of being like, oh, that guy sounds familiar. Um, so Never gonna hear Moose, will correct me, Moose will correct me if I'm hazy on any details here. But... Um, Basically, things came to a head when Merlin and Hilfir had a meeting on the Astalicia where she brought an entourage of her best men and he met with an entourage of his best men. And there was this complete bloodbath where the entirety of both crews were killed down to the last man and Merlin and Hilfir were dueling each other and Merlin basically overpowered Hilfir and was like, we're doing it my way now. Age of Piracy is over, submit or die. And Hilfir was like, okay, all right, touche, you're the boss. Hell yeah, let's do this. Is that I mean, about yeah, right? It's, 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 yeah, it's, I would say it's a good summary. Like what we saw in 1.0 was there were two parallel storylines happening at once and one was told through the Echo because in that story, mm -hmm. what had happened was someone had tried to like really do Meryl with a solid and create this plan to have Hilfir assassinated. Not mm -hmm. knowing that in this age beforehand, they had put aside these differences in that way. Hilfir mm -hmm. recognizes her as the stronger, more political, more capable, more like kind of a better leader in the big picture, whereas he's a better strongman leader. He's a better like right hand man front page. Everyone is on the same kind of wavelength. He's good at getting people together and listening, but she's got the vision and he recognized that after their fight. Mm -hmm. you know as... yeah so he's he's awesome and um this is a pretty big deal 
And I hope this isn't the end. I hope it's not like, all right, we just needed to clean things up in Limsa real quick because we need to do something else with them. I hope it wasn't that straightforward. Let's let's try the pig on him. Oh, God. <laughs> we're, we're over here. Talking about, like, Charlayan and Allegans. No, no, no. 6.0 is the pirate expansion. Oh. Oh, remember, like, we, 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 the whole point of coming up with the pigs in the first place was to, like, heal people and increase their units. Let's, like, give him some ethereal vigor back. Let's see what yeah. happens. Maybe he'll beat the lung rot and he'll come out. There we go. There we go. What's bet, the worst that will happen? Hit him with the pig. I bet, Marwood, I bet Marwood wishes she had one for her dad. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, she even she even mentioned something about that in you know one of the quotes. She says like Mm -hmm. you know I had to kill my father, but now we have, um, you know this this alternative, which is her her gun death penalty was her father's and is named death penalty because she used it to shoot him shoot him dead. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm glad that they at least touched on that. I hope that we do get to see. I mean, like we were all talking about, I think a bit more of just what this means for the people, because when you think about Mm -hmm. all of those who were lost or who were put down often by their loved ones own hands, like that is something that you don't just recover from with some cute Mm -hmm. magical flying pigs. You know, it's like, I hope we continue to get, you know, even as we get into this next arc and if tempering is a big, you know, part to play with Lunar Bahamut and whatever's happening, I hope we do get some more of that and get to see people because I mean, obviously people are glad that there is a solution so that those tragedies don't have to occur anymore, but also living with the guilt of knowing that there was a way and that probably Mm -hmm. the hope that you yourself held that there could be some kind of way to save the people you loved, like knowing that that was a real thing, it it has to be devastating. Um, On a, I mean, other tangent, sort of, I'm also really glad that they did put in this stuff with Hilfir and Merle Veeb and I wish we had gotten, man, I want that cutscene of them fighting to the bloody death. And then she steps on him and she's like, you're going to submit. Because I yeah. would have been like, I will submit. Yes. <laughs> step on me, I was, think, I was thinking that Meryl would have, would have really good step on me energy. I, had, I didn't say yeah. anything, but. Oh, she's yeah, so um, the energy. Who's so ignorant to, I'm ignorant I just, to 1.0 because I didn't play it. I am not from Limsa. I don't like the pirate aesthetic, right? I just don't. <gasps> I know it's weird. I don't. That's but, okay. So I murdered this. Yeah. I'm I'm oh, over on, on this other side. Fusion said pirate expansion. My my mind is immediately like, okay, Otter gone like in eleven. We got death. Oh, why you gotta we drop got Otter? and Otter gone. Oh, we gotta go to oh. all the middle stuff. What's, what's that called? The reason why. Theory stuff. All that stuff in there was Otter ish So my oh, brain just the like reason why, right, for no reason is because the pirate council doesn't matter. It hasn't mattered since I've played, right? And then it comes out of nowhere. And, you know, there's this guy who I do know his name, right? I do know of his past, but it's like, cool, there's going to be a, and then it's over. That is what I don't want. I'm, I'm with well, you. Well, it's because they, they need to bring out the pieces right. of eight, and they need to, you know, they need to. <laughs> right, of course. I feel as though they are, because I've actually, it was funny, I was catching up on some of the Ishgardian restoration quests because there mm-hmm. were a handful that I hadn't done from the previous installation. And they even took us around to the pirate, the three pirate factions in that, mm-hmm. where you have to like go around and talk to everybody. And then getting them here too, we talked about this a little bit in our other reviews of the patch, but it did always feel like Limsa was one of the places that I had the absolute vaguest sense about what was happening right. in it. 
and like if you'd done a request if you'd done it especially i think the um the rogue guild has a lot of really good stuff mm -hmm. if i remember correctly like if you've done all of that stuff where you started there you probably have more of an immersion to it but compared to some of the other roles that the other city states have sort of taken it really did feel like out of all of them, Merleveeb is the character that I'm like, you are the coolest, but I barely got to spend any time with. And like the same with these pirate captains, you know, you kind of know that there are pirate factions there, but the way that it all panned out, if you didn't have that 1.0 context, I think for a lot of players was just like, what? Okay, pirates? Mm. I don't know, fish people? That's what's happening? So I'm glad that we see more of it, and I'm hoping that they're kind of prepping this to build into... I mean, we can only assume that these different city-states and alliances that we've forged are going to play a role in the next expansion as we sort of wrap up the story here, right? So I'm hoping this is them being like, we need to fill in some gaps so that we can now use these characters in the next expansion or, exactly. you know, have these factions that are more fleshed out again since we've been away from them for so long. Um, but we'll see, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. Hilfir sounds super cool, though. I didn't know any of that. There's there's one thing I'm gonna get yelled at if I don't bring up, but I am grateful the excuse to talk about it. Um, the whole like past between Merwib and Mistbeard is a big part of this because mm -hmm. they they were the two great powers before Hillfear. It was um, Mistbeard, Richard, and the League of Lost Bastards were the two big ones, and League of Lost Bastards was Merwib's dad. And like mm -hmm. those two fleets had fights so bad, that's how Bloodshore got its name. Um, so when um, the League of Lost Bastards captain's daughter suddenly turns up with Mistbeard and uses Mistbeard's guns to shoot him, that was like the turning of the tide. That was like a new era. So, like, I'm going to get yelled at if I don't bring up that it was Mistbeard's gun, technically, that shot him. Mm. Okay. Death penalty was, they were both Mistbeards. Death penalty think, and Annihilator. I think, I think there might be, I, I want to check it out, because I remember going through the game and being like, wait, is that right? Mm -hmm. But early on, they were both said to be his. Mm -hmm. If Like, I feel like there might be a confusion or a discrepancy that one was his and one was dad's, and now she's yeah. both. That was the impression uh, I was on. There might be a, you know. Like it's it's yeah. happened in a few places. No, yeah, I, that would I be in the game because it wasn't in the book. Because the book yeah, said yeah. It, that there's both Meryl Webs. I yeah. thought there was a line, and I again I don't have it in front of me, so this is just me remembering. I thought there was a mm -hmm. line in five point four where she said something like, "This was my father's gun, and I killed him with it." I, I would like, not be surprised. Yeah. I would not Motto. be surprised if I they just know. changed. Yeah, that was that like, was during mm -hmm. the uh, the bit with the uh, the kobold uh, patriarch. Mm -hmm. I have a, that I have might a be a retcon. Yeah, I have a very vague memory of looking at that, like, mm -hmm. but both were mm -hmm. Mistbeards before. <laughs> yeah, I could even... see that just being, I could see yeah. it just being a small retcon. Like, oh, um, the legend wasn't or quite accurate. It could in... go so far as to, uh, they, in in the moment, tried to make people believe that they belong to the other one, uh, that uh, to, they belong to Mistbeard, because it makes the story better. It makes it more impactful. It makes mm -hmm. it what you're making it yeah. to be. That's fair. Right. It's another one um, of those cases then, where they took the puzzle piece and they're just right. hammering yeah, it. Yeah. And until, <laughs> yeah, no, until this is how it got, happened. Until we got to 2.0 and we did the Mistbeard stuff, like the only thing we ever really knew about them are that they're Mistbeard's old guns and they had dark relations of mm -hmm. some kind. So it's like uh, the fact that they had some... Yeah, that was a, I, I see Ethis' face right now. That was the phrase they used in 1.0. There was a rumor that Merowib and Mistbeard had dark relations. Dark relations. Mm -hmm. Ooh. So... 
Yeah, I would not be surprised if it's just a more recent retcon and that she's setting the record straight because it's, quote, more interesting. Yeah. Um, Aldiano made a... You, you, you touched on something um, really important here, which which I think is one of the important things to keep in mind with this whole uh, Limsa chapter, is that you, you're right, you know, the pirate factions haven't tied in much since 1.0, um, and there's a reason for that, because they haven't had any real, like, political power since 1.0, right. and the reason they haven't had any real political power since 1.0 is really important, um, and something that is going to be coming to a head real quickly. In in all three of the starting city-states, um, in Gridania, Kani Sena has had supreme executive power, um, normally the elder council the seats here council um basically votes on stuff democratically but they're like no we need to expedite this we can't uh, get bogged down in in debate with the galleon threat we're going to give all executive power to Kani Sena. okay and in gridzania you know they're they're like pretty chill that doesn't seem to be a huge issue for them in uldar We've got the issue now where Nanamo is like, all right, I won't step down. I won't try and dissolve this syndicate. I won't try and reform Muldar into Republic until the Galleon threat is dealt with. That is going to be a little bit more problematic. Then in Limsa, you've got Merlweb who has long overstayed her turn. There should have been another Trident several years ago. Um, there should have been um, someone else getting shots at the Admiralty, but She's got supreme executive power because of the Galleon threat. And she has, you know, outlawed piracy because of the Galleon threat. Um, and I found this interesting because you would have thought that there would be a lot of tension there, right? Um, and we go and talk to Roswin and she's talking about, like, settling down and, and starting a family, right. which is, like, so out of character for her. Um, and Carviane's just like, Oh, whatever i'm still making money i'm good yeah and then hill fear is like putting everyone else back in line so it seemed to be like a step back from that but i think we need to keep in the background mind that that when and if the galleon threat is neutralized you have this really like pivotal moment in eorzean politics between all of the city states which could give an opportunity for another like eorzea centric um story arc another eorzea centric mm. expansion even which is dealing with civil unrest potentially civil war as a mm. result of you know this vacuum that's created leaders having to step down and you know people making power grabs so it could be that we're starting to see maybe some slow steps towards that as well um but i don't know if there's is there anything else to talk about with with limsa i don't think so and and you know, uh, when you mentioned that, it, it made me think of, uh, you know, uh, author that I like for world building. And, you know, mm -hmm. one of the questions is, is your world at war? You know, mm -hmm. why? But the more important question is, why not? Yeah. What is Looks. keeping it together? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's great. Like, I want them to introduce this stuff. And, you know, as a first step, I just thought it was weird. I thought we were starting in the middle of a story. And that's because mm -hmm. of 1.0. Because um, we were studying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, it's one of those things where okay. I think you're so right that could be an open door here. And that's definitely something mm. that they could explore, um, especially in some places, you know, even more so than others, like you were saying with the syndicate and the fact that, I mean, there's all these people there that have all this power who are not going to be as agreeable about it. And there's mm. all these different areas where, I mean, there, there have been huge upheavals and change in culture and people. 
and the sort of power that has been exerted over it because of wartime and the unifying force that has been exerted over it because of wartime. I, I feel like they could really go either way with it, where we do mm -hmm. see everything fall apart after, or that all of this is much more of like a setup for, and then a new era of peace entered, and democracy reigned, and like, you know, Garleans went a threat, and the people, like mm -hmm. you were saying with Roswin and stuff, right? Showing these snippets of people who have moved beyond just being refugees, just being, you know, fleeing for their lives from the Garlean threat, or trying to piece together their families after, you know, half of them were all tempered because a caravan got attacked, you know, like, I can see them setting up these things where they're almost trying to show, like, everyone has a life and they are, you know, slowly realizing they have a place in the world and new cultures have sprung up and maybe we have peace afterwards. But I honestly hadn't even thought about them being like, and then everything's on fire again. <laughs> and, and I think they could, like, if they wanted to, especially... You know, if they decide that they're looking for other stuff or other plots to eventually build up, they could something has to be on fire. Mm -hmm. Or they could mm -hmm. use this as a breaking point, depending on what happens in the next expansion, to kind of go like, and now we can move on to maybe other stars or other places or other you know things completely unknown. I I don't know. I have no idea what they're going to do on that. Yeah, mm. I didn't think about the civil war possibility either. I was like, well, maybe we'll go to the new world, and it's just like pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, exactly. That'd be cool too. I'd be down yeah. for that. They're gone. <laughs> that's what it means that's that's yes. the, the, the sum up of what that is in in terms of is there anything else to mention in limsa i would say the last thing that we haven't like highlighted explicitly is that there is there is probably a reason for why everything was limsa centric right now why we cleared up the stuff with the pirates why we untempered the kobolds why we made peace with the cult like there's a unified vilbrand right now for the first mm -hmm. time in years well keep, years. keep in mind though too the the sahagin aren't quite on board yet the Sahagin are They're still they're still working on the Sahagin. Maybe, maybe that's 6.0. We we befriend the Sahagin finally and they take us to the the sources underwater Amarat. If, mm. if, we, have, <laughs> if we have an uh, Aorzea 2 expansion, I do want to see the Beast Tribe homelands. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh we we made peace with the kobolds who live underground. Digging yeah. underground. Different point yeah. to True. dig mm -hmm. deep. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, maybe this whole expertise. Yeah. Maybe the whole there teaser thing was about the kobolds. Maybe the kobolds <laughs> are the next. Oh, Gabu the is the progeny. Gabu oh, is no. the progeny. <laughs> this, this Gabu centered expansion. Five, let's go. Five point five is we're going to be going to the Ixal because they're the ones in the sky. Mm. So then we'll get yeah. the ground in the sky. <sighs> <sighs> but but as a prereq, you need we're to do all the Ixal dailies. <laughs> No. And then that the leads into Asla, and then that's the Allian yeah. fleet coming back from space, and yeah. The Ixal get, get, get to Azazla and decide that um, they can go higher. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Um, Alright, so um, after all this stuff, we get these super weird towers that start popping up all over the place. Um, Classic Garlean architecture. Yeah, totally. Classic Garlean architecture. I, I really hope that they address that at some point because, no, <laughs> just it, it's it's not. I mean, they very uh, much seem they very much seem void influence, right? Like yeah, it seems me. very much or like void Archean. It, it has that mm. like that yeah. kind of gothic look to it, which I mean, depending on again like what information has been passed down by uh, 
you know, the Asians to people to develop certain technology. Like it could be something that all traces back to like sources of various things. But um, I was thinking yeah. Nero. He went. <laughs> he was still working for them, kind of at the time, wasn't he? Um, I I went in two directions with it at once. Because um, when you, if you see pitch black, bio-engineered looking, like something that looks like technology that's built to look like biology, the first thing you think is Mahak. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. it's, they're the H.R. Giger-inspired yeah. nation. But at the same time, if you looked closely at the towers, there was, like, geometric symbols on it. It was red instead of purple. It really didn't fit. Um, but if you looked at the materials, yeah, it looked a little like the kind of dark steel cement we're used to from the Garleans, but they've never used biotech looking stuff before. So it was just like, mm -hmm. I couldn't place it between the two. And well, they've, they've never tried to recreate the final just, days before either. So I, right. So it's, it's just something, it's something new. I get that. I'm mm -hmm. willing to accept it that it's something be... new, but I want to, yeah. I want to see an explanation. Could it just be a new faction? Because everything is sort of all split up right now. So whoever's no, you don't think so? It could. I mean, it could literally just be Fan Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. Fan Daniel's got his d yes. new faction. Remember, um, he's rich. He's rich. He's got all of all of House Brutus's yeah. money. He's like, I'm he just actually... gonna buy some engineers and stuff, and we'll go over to the the Garleyan Home Depot and no we'll just get some stuff and make some towers. He, and he dropped the name of his new cult. If you were reading closely. Yes. Yeah. And you. Um... Uh, deciphered it for us. I deciphered part of it. Someone gave me a nudge Ooh, that helps me get the first one. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I should actually look it up while you're talking about it. I've been <laughs> setting you up for the flex. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Let me get my let me get There's my tweet so out. Much <laughs> info in your brain. You got to go uh, through the file cabinet real quick. It's actually true. I don't remember stuff. Yeah. I remember where to look for stuff. Now exactly. well, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Oh, that was I'm pretty sure it was the telephori, but I'm gonna look it up just to be sure because oh, yeah. I'm neurotic. Yeah, it was um, telos and foros. You break it down into, wasn't it? Yeah, and then the pluralizing at the end was the mm -hmm. oi. Yeah. Mm. What was it like? The end bringers? Is that what? Yeah. Is that what it translated yeah. to? Yeah, bring bringers of the end. Bringers of the end. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he um, just dropped he dropped the name of his cult right there. If mm -hmm. anybody was paying attention to the Telephori, the bringers of the end. Mm -hmm. so Finally, what, we're gonna we're gonna the the lambs of Dalamut are coming yeah. right to the center of the. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I know, I'd be happy. Speculation warner. We need we need a dude. We I made the same like joke. Slap a speculation yes. warning on here, um, because obviously we don't know anything about these towers. Um, no. Moose, what do you think the towers on? What do you think they're they're doing? If 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 I twisted your arm into like committing to a guess right now, if you twisted my arm, I think that they are. Um, I think they're the the connection to the tempering. Mm -hmm. I think they might be exhibiting some sort of field that contributes to the tempering because those showed mm -hmm. up in the same place at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, they could be artificial generators of the sound to recreate the final days. Mm -hmm. um, but really, I think they're just they're here to cause chaos and make people panic and temper people and recreate just. I, I, this is my conspiracy theory because I a lot of people were thinking Fan Daniel was like because he didn't like the unsundered, 
maybe he could be our friend. Maybe he was a different mm. ass yet, you know? So like, I lost it. I high pitch, ugly laughed at my screen when he was just like, I just want everyone to die in a paroxysm of pain and suffering. I'm like, yeah. yes. So my, like, I, my meme vision in my head for like this entire plot line is like yeah. Heath Ledger's Joker is Fan Daniel. And he's mm. just putting a bunch of those like little astronomy star projectors all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I have to, because of Nabriales, ex expect that he just wants to be Zodiac's new BFF. And mm. that the last time the final friend. days came was five minutes before Zodiac's best hour. So if mm. everybody wants the salvation of the world from the sound of the final days, one's going to turn to Zodiac again, and that's going to make him happy. So I think that that's okay. what's going on. Okay. My first guess. I, I'm not confident in it at all. What's up with you? Um... Okay, so if we take his word for it, um, which is all we have at the moment, he wants to bring about the final days. Um, and we need to examine what the final days actually were um, and what they what they caused, how they were brought about. They were brought about by, by the keening, the sound, whatever it is, came from under the earth, um, caused the ancients to lose control of their creation magics, and they um, spontaneously um, started summoning apparitions of their own nightmares um giving them are you form thinking, are you thinking are you thinking that has anything to do with like lunar bahamut absolutely yeah i i think that you're right that the towers are somehow replicating the sound but less in, less in a literal way because you know aeolians don't don't have the power to spontaneously right. you know use creation magic the version of our creation magic is that shitty bastardized version which is primal summoning mm -hmm. um and you know we, we've seen people before summon um you know simulacrums apparitions of their their horrors and nightmares and you know that's what that's what shinria was effectively um ostensibly anyway um and i think that this may have something to do with the the tempering that might be an effect that has to facilitate this but i think luna bahama is i mean fan daniel refers to him as the first beast right we fought the first beast of amarat who was the first boss in the amaratine dungeon and we know that that thing is one of those apparitions of the amaratines you know fears and nightmares and anxieties or whatever if you put a tower that is going to replicate that effect in the middle of eorzea what is people's yes. fears and nightmares going to look like the survivors that... of the calamity Bahamut. it's going to look kind of like bahamut exactly i'm thinking and in kind real of like time. midhog i'm i'm thinking in real time and like so i would have to think about this for another few hours before i knew if it was crazy or not but that might be mm -hmm. the entire point of wanting it to be associated with tempering is because they mm -hmm. don't have that oh we accidentally spawned this from our fears whereas mm -hmm. if they're if you have something actively focusing their faith and belief into it once they're tied into it you have much more power focused on that entity exactly um this so i think that these towers are being strategically placed around okay to radiate that that sort of signal which is affecting the summoning of people's fears anxieties nightmares whatever you want to call it it's giving a form that is going to be the beast that's going to be the recreation of the final days people are going to be tempered as a result there's going to be way too many of them for the porksies to handle but but suddenly we're going to be inundated by dozens if not hundreds of these sort of you know deiform nightmare creatures something that just hit me while you were talking about this 
and also talking about the snippet that we got earlier on. Mm -hmm. um, the reference to, like, the first beast. And I was sitting there going, like, oh, okay, well, we saw this. So, like, in the ancient days, was this, to them, the first creature that heralded the fall of the end of their world? Which then made me think about the Book of Revelations in Western, you know, um, religious mythology and the beasts yep. that are <laughs> heralds. Yes. So apparently, as I, this is Wikipedia, so again, take it with a grain of salt as always. Um, the first beast, technically in the book, comes out of the sea, but is given authority and power by a dragon. Mm -hmm. And it is, uh, I mean, in our sort of lunar Bahamut, or at least in Final Fantasy XIV, right, the sky being yeah. something that I think Bahamut is very much indicated by. Um, yeah. That's something that I thought was interesting. And then the second beast, which supposedly heralded the, the end of days, came out of the earth and directs all peoples of the earth to worship the first beast. Mm -hmm. And so with the stuff that we got there, again, with like the division of sky, earth, these sorts of things, um, this says like the two beasts are aligned with the dragon in opposition to God. And like, it, it yeah. seems as though there, there are some things here where if we have a first, then maybe something else is gonna follow. And if the embodiment of nightmares, at least as far as we know, for the people of Eorzea is the dragon, which, again, it's not sea. I mean, Leviathan is more sea dragon, but I mean, to them, sky dragon is like, you know, a huge fear. Um, yeah. And then all these things about the secret in the earth and the sound that came from the earth and all these things. I wonder if that might be something that they're drawing some kind of parallel here with that. You're 100% correct that in, in the book of Daniel, yes, the first beast of the apocalypse does bear a vague resemblance to Luna Bahamut. And, and mm -hmm. people have been noticing that, people have been jumping on that. So that's, that's a, a really good catch. Um, I think that Moose is probably right about Fan Daniel's um, motivations and that he wants to wake up Zodiac. He wants to enable that. But that's not what the keening was about and if you start messing around with that then yeah. it's probably not zodiac you're gonna wake up right it's probably exactly. gonna be the other the other guy the presence it, under silver whoever whoever <laughs> well yeah well, yeah yeah exactly, exactly it's gotta something's gotta come from the ground yeah, I mean. to me this plan is 5.3 this is a litibus's plan this is hmm. okay. manufacturing a crisis to have everyone focus their 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 will on salvation or unknowingly murdering themselves like mm -hmm. i think that this is fan daniel executing that plan just mm -hmm. on the source um just because once people start to believe in it it builds this engine that can't be stopped um you know one of the things that i really want them to do one day this is a tangent is to talk about how 5.3 affected the first you just mm. started seeing people being summoned out of nowhere. Was that everywhere? Was that only where the warrior of darkness was? You know, like there's a lot of questions, but what did that cause in the meantime? You know, mm -hmm. um, what did all of this longing for a savior do? And yeah, I think that's where we're going. And you know, and I, and I think we'll, we'll finally get the answer about the kind of after effects whenever the mm -hmm. hell they give us Hildebrand back. <laughs> sure. Because Hildebrand sure. was one Maybe. of those. I am really summoned... proud of you for delivering that with a straight face. <laughs> well done. Yeah, he was there. <laughs> he was there. No, we'll um, get that when we get the end game crafting gathering uh, Ishgardian restoration equivalent over, you know, oh, five expansions oh, yeah. later. Um, Has, um, yeah. Anyone got any more thoughts on the towers before we. Random. Walk? 
vaguely related thing, the pixie quests. Uh, the kids have nightmares. They mm -hmm. use the pork seeds <laughs> to mm -hmm. pull the nightmares out and defeat them. And mm -hmm. it's an odd parallel to what sure. might Maybe happen. Are... are you suggesting that we're going to try to get ahead of the towers by defeating people's nightmares with the pork seeds before they can be pulled? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Or, yeah, the, or the, the idea of drawing them out. This is done. The, the idea I just, just, of... Uh... As we were talking about the pork seeds and the fact that all of this stuff comes from people's fears and nightmares, I'm like, we've seen this before on a much smaller scale. Yeah. I think, yeah, I'm sorry. I, mean, I apologize. Fanny Pack seems... Fanny Pack is so ambiguous at this point because I think, really, they could do whatever. They can do a very specific Emmett Selk kind of thing, because Emmett Selk at his first reveal was very theatrical and over the top and, you know, seemed very ridiculous. And could they do a, you know, a 160 with us or a 360 with us or whatever and uh, uh, decide that they were going to give him some kind of deeper, you know, oh, I remember losing everything in the final. Dear God, I hope I, so. I can't let go of it and I have relived this a well, thousand Fan times. Fandaniel doesn't I'm remember the final days, does he? Yeah. No. no. He's like, said that explicitly. Yeah. But, I... um, sorry, I'm just, this Oh, is no, you go ahead. Uh, but, I mean, it does feel as though this is a bid for, yes, chaos, but as to mm -hmm. what that exact, you know, why would he even care about, like, this is my big question, why would he even care about being endeared to Zodiac? For power? For, I mean, it seems like if that's been something that has been driving them for so long or imposed upon him. I mean, of course, there's the possibility that, you know, tempering continues to force whoever that's affiliated um, with him to continue to try and free him. But it does feel as though there's something more here that they could add into it. Um, or, you know, Lunar mm -hmm. Bahamut might just be the distraction if there's going to be some kind of second beast or if this itself is going to lead to, again, some kind of revelation as to the final days and like what that means for us now in the present, um, if there was something more with this creature of the earth or the keening sound or whatever it was. Um, Heidelin and Zodiac are two big entities that, again, seem to have done both good and ill in the world to some degree and are primals, which in and of themselves, as far as we know, have been bulked up to be a threat. But the culmination of what we do with them, I think will depend very much on what exactly is revealed? Like, do they have to be there for a balance? Can we smite them like other primals and return them? You know, like there's so many different things that kind of go into that, that I think maybe they're gonna be setting up and addressing possibly through this recreation or whatever else happens with the expansion. Yeah. Or so I, I have a, a couple thoughts. I mean, and, and especially when we talk about the towers and we talk about, um, oh yeah, totally Garlean architecture, right? And then we compared something like Mach or like the Void. Um, we, we think about, you know, if this goes forward, how we think, how there's going to be a lot of aether in the air, right? And it makes me remember, I mean, and again, right, old, old uh, lore versus new lore, right? Um, at one point, I remember Koji telling us that they were, they had plans for more Atamos stuff. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if, if we oh, might... No. Yeah. <laughs> The Atomos and the Porxies do something very similar. Or, or well, and, and, and again, you go back to 2.0, right? And that, that end cutscene where the Asians are talking about basically how they need all these primals to be summoned so that they can eventually bring back Zodiac, right? So what if, 
you you do the the end of days. Tombo shows up, sucks up a bunch of ether, and then they go up to the moon and just pop it on Zodiac. And they're like, "All right, we're here. You go. You're just collecting it. Don't worry." I need. I don't have a tinfoil hat. I apologize. Yeah. It's, well, it's... Um, there was a question in chat that Moose did answer, but I think we should probably get it in the show mm. uh, as far as whether or not the tower locations are significant. Mm. Oh sure. Yeah, I I was on the same page as what moose is suggesting there before we actually got to the patch when we just saw the trailer it looked like they might have you know had some mucky element they might have had some association with the the fifth asteroid arab city states that they attacked but then we got one in yaksha and it's mm -hmm. like so so now i'm thinking uh, again my my idea is that they're placing them in these key locations where they can sort of you know just kind of catch like populations of people and you know summon simulacrums of their yeah. ears and the, the, the thing is the specific question about like these places that that saw devastating events yes everywhere has seen devastating yeah. events like mm -hmm. ab yeah of course ab absolutely but let's, uh, let's be honest let's be honest point. they they put them in zones that we could go visit that didn't have a, a bunch of other shit in them yet <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if you could see out into the distance somewhere, they put them in somewhere. places where we've done stuff, but there's mm -hmm. still like a little ram left in the zone yeah. display. There you go. <laughs> I mean, they, they could they them. could totally come out later and be like yeah, uh, ley lines, or sure. um, you know, they could. They, you know, monk the monk quest talked about this kind of idea of like battlefield ether, yeah. right? So maybe maybe mm -hmm. there's something yeah. to that that they they can come in on, or maybe they're just like they're whatever, they're just spread out. It doesn't really. I mean. You this know, is as a summoner, you go to a specific location to learn how to, you know, trace Bahamut's ether. Like, it, it's, yeah, mm -hmm. it could be. Yeah, mm -hmm. it could be that they're, like, just far enough outside of town that this is where you can consolidate your enemy forces and have them march on the town. Yeah, could be logistical, yeah. Could be, like, there's lots of good examples that I could think of for, like, fun, conspiracy, clever versus pragmatic mm -hmm. versus good yeah. game development. Do we know for sure that these towers were constructed on on the source but like alt as opposed to just like being kind of willed well, into existence in the chrysalis and transported over by Asian underlings and just kind of shoved over i don't think yes. we have any proof either well, way i i just had like a total t this is a tinfoil hat and this is not based on anything at all whatsoever um <laughs> but when i was thinking about towers that just appear places <laughs> i thought about the crystal tower and then i thought mm. about the fact that like to the people there it appears as though it just appears out of nowhere and that the technology that kind of facilitated that minus the obviously eons of you know the generations of uh development that happened in this successive timeline but like based off of that elegant technology initially that could have been you know um ancient based or you know passed on that way and then thinking about the fact that it kind of looks like like we said, mock. It has these void elements. It has these things that we've seen affiliated with it, and that we got these void quests, and that Inukali has been updated. It made me wonder if possibly they were from the void, or mm. like if there was something that had been there. Something they already used in the void. I don't know. That then got mm. like spontaneously put into this world that would also flood Aether, maybe from there. I, I don't know. That would, as opposed to like 
sucking aether out of the earth where we are, but that would cause a surplus that would facilitate something more like these nightmare visions or a closer parallel to a world in which it was unified again. You know, I'm, this could be... Oh, go ahead. I'm embarrassed to say this, knowing that you thought about it so deeply, but, like, it was 40% of the trailer and 2% of the patch, and I was just like, okay, please look forward to it. Got it. Okay, back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is total tin hat, but I've been wondering why mm. they have been stringing us along. Like, right. I figured in the future, maybe we would go to the void or something, you know, but mm -hmm. because we because we know that Garlemald seems to be a thing and that we obviously have this culmination of Hydaelyn Zodiac, but just for like a fleeting second, I was like, is this maybe another thing that is... Mm. So I, I don't know. Um, there's nothing to really base that off of. Mine is just a few little tiny threads. They're actually just radio that. antennas from the void. Yeah, for the, the radio stations. Totally. Yeah, we all want more void stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> you're you're, you're Absolutely. listening to V one hundred one, the void. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, a shock jock. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, is that just Baby Shark on repeat forever? Stop, is that that? Stop it. Stop. <laughs> time to now. I all I can see now dark. is like cloud of darkness yeah. with that that platform as just like a vinyl record. Just like scratching baby shark. Uh, well, no, she's the DJ. Her, her tentacles. Her tentacles are the yeah. The, That's got to be the, the needle oh, for yeah. the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. If I had infinite time and more artistic talent, let me tell you. Um, I believe in you. Okay. Should we so the, talk about yeah. Whirlit? Let's yeah. right before right before we get into Whirlit, and I, I only want to spend a couple minutes on this. Otherwise, we'll spend like okay. another thirty minutes on it. Sure. Yeah. Um, the end cutscene. We get we get Xenos. Sure. And uh, he steps yeah, on his sword, which is so strong that he breaks it just by stepping on it. Mm -hmm. And he says he needs to get a new weapon. Zodiac. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do, do you think Zodiac? Is that... I, I think that there... Like, I don't mean to just like jump in on this all confident sure. stuff, but I think there is a 0% probability that the day Elidibus tells him Heidelin and Zodiac are things, and he's like, oh, me and W.O.L. should each eat one, and then we'll fight again. Exactly. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like there's a zero percent chance that the day he came up with that idea is the day Fan Daniel walked in. Like, hey, I'm bored. Oh, Want to be friends? Right. I now, now I'm now I'm picturing us and Xenos on the shoulders of like Zodiac and Heidelin, like in a pool, trying to like wrestle. Yeah. He just wants to rock him soccer robots with the god crystals. That's like it's it's his only goal at this moment. And Fan Daniel's acting like he's gonna put that together, and he probably has he in his own agenda. Yeah, it's he wants definitely. To use Okay. It's definitely Zodiac, but yeah. maybe, maybe like on the way there, he'll go and pick up Masamune. If he was smart, it would have been Idolin. <laughs> yeah, like he runs he into Gilgamesh. Smart. Gilgamesh is like, I got some. If great If he knew his history, yeah. yeah. If he knew his yeah. history, it'd be Idolin. Yeah. I'm yeah. If 100%. Zeno's, if Zeno's knew anything, he'd be taking the one that we were friends with and wouldn't want to hurt, so that we yes. would be forced to take mm. the one that we didn't. You know, like. I think that's maybe his, uh, he will. He didn't say specifically which one he was going yeah. for. He never did, but if he was smart, which he hasn't been so far, yeah, exactly. that's true. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, to me, it's him wanting to use his skill, which he is very, very confident in, wielding the greatest power to show everyone that yeah, he's the best. Literally, if I wield the greatest power, I and will it's... win because of my skill. And he justified, he could justify either, because Zodiac was sure. stronger at the split, but Heidelin did win. So it's like, which one yeah. is that, do they want to invoke the motif of in his character design is really what it comes down to. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Uh, so then let's go ahead and we'll move into Whirlit. Um, so this was our, our third weapon encounter. This was Emerald Weapon, um, piloted by Rex. Uh, we got to go to Castrum Meridum, which was kind of nice mm -hmm. um, after after all this time. Um, so we fight him. Uh, the Oversoul is Gaius. Um, we get some interesting battle uh, battle scenes from from that with the uh, with the trial, mm -hmm. um, and then we get to uh, we get to Milkman, who's torturing Alphonse. <laughs> the Milkman, yeah, and we we get the children. Yeah, burn out the bad. Um, super, so super creepy, but also like fantastic. Um, they are testing diamond weapon with his husband while his wife and, and, and child uh, look on. Obviously it doesn't work. Um, the oversoul is going to be Xenos. Uh, the guy was in there. So like his family would be safe and then he died. So they're like, oh, okay, we'll just use the wife. Cause I'm Valens and I'm a fucking horrible person. Um, and then you uh, start to make a, a memorial in, in Turncliff for, for all the people that, that Garl mauled, uh, basically conscripted and, and sent off to die mm -hmm. in war um so any any big revelation i mean it, it seems yeah. fairly straightforward for the valens, most part yeah valens is literally a guy stan mm -hmm. like he he worked <laughs> we found out that he worked for nero um yep. when nero was working on the restoration of the ultimate weapon right and like gaius didn't even know who he was um, and he was obviously obsessed. And we're definitely going to have a moment at some point where the two confront each other. And he's going to be like, Van Bursa, you took everything from me. And Geis is going to be like, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was thinking that the whole time. I was like, wait, he doesn't even know who this guy is. But it's um, going gonna, gonna to be that Scarlet Witch Thanos encounter, right? Yeah, yeah, you exactly. Took everything mm -hmm. from me. I don't even know mm -hmm. who you are. You will. Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, um, like... Madman, uh, I don't even think about you at all. <laughs> you know, like that sort of thing. <laughs> we we got to remember that this is in in so many ways Gaius's story, yeah. Um, and that as a character, Valens is the the antithesis of Gaius in a way, but in another way, his his reflection. The the whole thing about like um, you know having these uh, these sort of foreign children that he's that he's groomed and that worship him um the that that is like the ugly side of gaius um everything about valens is like just one degree off from gaius it's just like the other side of the coin and and gaius you know thought what he was doing at the time was so you know like you know noble and uh and all of that but valens is kind of like putting putting the truth to his his character um and that's why i think like valens as as a villain for gaius to overcome is so interesting and the fact that i mean the only the only like real difference between them is that valens is pretending that he doesn't have the sort of natural charisma and leadership qualities and is just kind of like creepy yeah he just um, uses his brute force, you know. He exerts Parallel. his fear over others and his mm. power over others. But so did Gaius. He just True. accompanied it with True. charm yeah. and charisma. Yeah, yeah and words, I think that's you know? a big difference though, right? Like Gaius 
in the way that he approached it, I think he always saw himself as a leader. And so mm. for him and somebody who is nobly acting for his nation, whereas Valens obviously is in it for himself in many ways. And although mm -hmm. he's replicating this, right, he he himself is somebody who I think is deeply insecure and is much like the sort of competitive environment of Garlemald with promotions and the military rankings and the way that that kind of enables you to become someone, you know, and to, and to validate yourself, uh, even if you are somebody who's been brought in to work up to that certain point, you know, and you're not a native to Garlemald. It's, it's all this like intrinsic system that breeds this. And mm. it's so interesting to mm -hmm. see him as a character who doesn't believe in those ideals and thus has this like veneer and this charisma that makes him almost, you know, this ideal leader, but instead is somebody who has, I think, taken opportunities of, of holes that were left behind and then kind of clawed his way up with all of these pervasive insecurities to enforce mm. his own will um, through the fear that he can inflict on others with his own power. And like, I went on about this. I like, mm. this is the thing. It's not even so much that this like whole quest this time around is a big like lore revelation. We're learning huge things about Aether or things like that, but it is such a brilliant character study and I could talk about mm. it forever. They're both <laughs> so good. Like, right. It's yeah. really amazing. I mean, you, ha you have Gaius, right, on one hand, who just, who grew up drinking water. Then you have Valance, <laughs> who drinks a lot of milk. Oh and it's just... That's the difference. Yeah, that's probably the yeah. main difference. This, yeah. See, well, the, we the, see into... the, the farm that the cows are raised on, there's a lot of ethereal oh. energy. Is this where we go into like how this is a study on subverting the cinematographic history of using milk as a symbol for purity, and now we're sure. like contrasting yeah. it like yes. evil, no evil defeating the you, good, you, drinking you the milk. You caught me. That's exactly and, what I was I mean, going for. Right? Yeah, like you say that as a big joke, and yet, mm -hmm. like I think the milk is so like it's so well used Disturbing. because it mm -hmm. is 6.0 like, cow primal let's go he's consuming yeah. the good he's defeating yeah. the good Sub subverting milk and cinematography yeah. we've got I mean, luke skywalker and valens van Vara. <laughs> it also kind of has this childishness to it i guess like when you think of like handing a kid a glass of milk or something sure, yeah. or like i mean there's all these little components about him that are so childish and immature and, yeah. and yet so like vindictive and nasty yeah. and like you know, oh do i love it i the milk drinker is a feckless person you know like they're, <laughs> they're someone who's like oh they don't do this they're just a milk drinker you know what i mean that's also yeah, true. Yeah. you're right yeah that's he's probably got stronger bones too oh and if yeah, we're comparing you can get him other ways if we're making this all about like Gaius's villain to beat, that's mm -hmm. all stuff that applies too. Because we've seen mm -hmm. the mask slip with Gaius before. Yep. We've had moments where he's thinking about himself. Yes. Uh, we Sid Sid in one called him a megalomaniac man child because of how pissed he was that he had to serve Nail. Um, mm -hmm. yep. So like we've seen this before, and I think like Ethos was saying, when we see that, that everything is just a little skew of Gaius, I think we're seeing also like a literal version of the metaphor where we would see Gaius as corrupting Eorzea's children and turning them on its own future. We're mm -hmm. seeing Valens literally corrupt Gaius's actual mm -hmm. children and turn mm -hmm. them on his future. So I think there's like a lot of rooms for that parallel in a lot of those jokes. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. You know, like Gaius um, had, had this front of, 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 you know, this honor and this will to power and all this kind of stuff. But like, it was, it was ultimately a load of crap. And like his, his, where his character arc has taken him is him realizing 
then it's a load of crap. Is him realizing that he got to where he was because he was Solace's favorite. And he was Solace's favorite because he had qualities that could be so easily manipulated by the Asians to their ends, um, which is exactly what happened. He refused to return um, to the empire, uh, to the capital at Varus's orders after the death of Solus, um, and and it went went um, ostensibly AWOL with the ultimate weapon, um, showing you know a complete disregard for his um, you know uh, imperial duty, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he was he was trying and he was pretending you know he was pretending to have this power and this authority he was pretending to be smarter than laha brea and stay one step ahead of him um and the, the whole 2.0 arc was giving the lie to to who he was and then valens is throwing that in his in his face by showing him this really ugly perverted but but just so close right. version to to what he was my favorite part of this is that it's probably entirely an accident. <laughs> like, you think so? Oh, I, no. I th- partly, partly. Mm-hmm. I think I think in one he was just supposed to be Judge Vader. Yeah. And yeah. I think mm-hmm. in oh, one point the character yeah. development is accident. Yeah. Like, yeah I think, okay, okay. I think one point one eight, one point one eight to one point two three. They were comparing him to Nail. They accidentally fleshed him out as this like imperial loyalist who would even go as far as working with the enemy if it served the Empire's best interests. Mm-hmm. And then they 2.0 hit and they were like, oh, he's Judge Vader again. Like none of that ever happened. And I feel like a lot of what we're seeing is them trying to clean yeah. that up now. Um, so like, mm-hmm. so like when we, when we see this comparison to Valens and this, like, this is who you were, this is how shallow you were. I think to a degree, there's also this part of the hilarity of it for me is mm-hmm. that when they fleshed out the Populares versus the uh, Optimates, they probably weren't even thinking about Gaius. He was probably not even part of that storyline because he wasn't back yet and we're not talking about it now. It was a Stormblood thing, right? But like, mm-hmm. if you think about that war between Varys and Titus, um, what comes up is Gaius loses either way. Mm-hmm. Either the mission yeah. stops, they're not going to save Eorzea, he never gets to redeem his name, or he gets sidelined while a whole bunch of like hardcore militants come in and crush everything and rule it badly. Mm-hmm. So if he, so you have that ability for Gaius to lie to himself and say that like this thing that's best for me is best for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that they haven't explored yet and might not know exists. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel like everything they do with him is half an accident and half brilliant. Like, I think I think you're absolutely right <laughs> that like um, between 2.0 and Heaven's Ward, I I imagine I'm pretty certain that internally Gaius was dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and think then certain people what, just wouldn't stop talking about what, how awesome Gaius was rumor, and that Gaius is still alive. The rumor that I heard was that they didn't know. Mm. The, ru- the rumor and that the I heard is that everybody yeah. everybody thought someone else knew for sure and nobody right. really knew for sure. So they all right. sat down like, "Is Gaius right. dead?" And I thought you knew. <laughs> right. Well, well, in 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 my more egotistic moments, Moose, I think that that looking back, you and I constantly simping for Gaius since 2.0 on on so many platforms, so loudly and so adamantly and persistently for so many years, just um, wore them down. <laughs> I'm willing. I'm willing to take credit for it, especially think, like if we. Yeah, I think it was us. If we get the if we get the yeah. presence of Silver Tear Lake, we'll know for sure. Yeah. We'll know for sure that, that you're secretly 
writing through them. Right. <laughs> they're just I mean, listening to you and they're like, yeah, that is a good idea. Quick, write, write that down. Yeah, once, once, we, once we did the, the Gaius Lives emote on the Discord, right. like, all right, we need to yeah. just... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have no doubt that a lot of the fan popularity for his character did drive... And like, like you were saying, yes. people in public figures talking about him so actively, right? Because, Absolutely. I mean, any company, it's a smart move. Not to say that you always have to pander to your audience or whatever people want to label it as. But if there was something compelling about a character that you wrote, and there's a chance you can use that character as a con like a continuation of a compelling facet to a story, and they're not dead dead for sure, though, why not bring them back really? and work them in, you know? And mm. as we look forward to Garlemald being a thing, he makes sense. I mean... The other one that I've talked about so much, and I always forget her name, sorry girl, my bad, is the uh, the Lucia. one who is friends with Emmerich, Lucia. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Lucia's another open door that I think they could use as a facilitator for Garlemald. Um, Gaius obviously works well, because especially with him, I mean, being a part of the military machine, it is a wonderful thing. And even if some of it was accidental at first, it felt to me like 5.4 in particular, like, this was intentional. Like, they were like, we locked this in. We have an idea of what we want to do with him. And the development of Valens as a villain, like both of you were saying, is a wonderful catalyst for this. Like, mm -hmm. and I was kind of wishy-washy about the weapons quests up until this one. And I was like, I agree. whoa, well done, well done. Mm -hmm. And whether or not it was kind of accidental up to that or what, like, the writing in this one felt so brilliant. And I think it also gives us such a wonderful look at um, those those awful parts of Garlemald that we know exist. And we've seen them. You know, it's not like we haven't seen them in bits and pieces, but we've had a lot of sort of redemption. We've had a lot of personable characters. We've had a lot of other things, exceptions to the rule with Boja and the unique kind of, you know, legion that's there. And to actually get to see this little slice of what this kind of culture and what these you know this military structure has done not only to the people within it but to the people subjected to it i think is fantastic leading into whatever we get for a resolution for garlemald you know um because you can't ignore that and that was one of my it's biggest forgot it's terrible here yes yeah. like and that was one of my biggest mm -hmm. problems with stormblood to be honest like that was an entire expansion that essentially was about the effects of a conquer like what it's like to live in a conquered nation, like a nation that has been subjugated to to this imperial rule. And so much of it until we got into the patch stuff or until we got into things with Fordola and Tsukiyomi, which I think is where we really get to see some good stuff. But so much of the rest of that was swept under the rug. And it's not an easy thing to talk about. It's terrible, you know? <laughs> but it's like, if you're going to put that into your narrative, you cannot shy away from it because... It undermines you, it. You have to, yeah. yeah, it yeah undermines you can't half-ass it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you got to whole-ass it. Um, and, and I think I think this patch <laughs> um, got me invested as well. Finally, in the weapons quest line, um, mainly for the reason if we bring it back to the weapons, the um, the orphans. What what their plan is is basically like, um, I mean, it's it's classic like Evangelion. You know, mm -hmm. Shinji being like, yep. if I don't get in the weapon, someone else will. Yep. Um, but uh, hey, if we go along with this project and we complete these weapons, we're the pilots. We use them to kill Valens. We use them to free Whirlit, finally. 
Um, and even though we have to sacrifice our lives to doing it, we use it to, you know, burn this mother down and, and dismantle the empire. Um, and uh, again, the, the idea that they, that they can do that, that they can stay one step ahead of the guy that's pulling their strings and control this weapon and use it to their ends. Exactly what happened to Gaius. Mm -hmm. It's a, you know, a lot of people are, are making those uh, connections to Mecha. And one of the mm. huge parts of original Gundam and kind of the UC storyline is the Gundam as a third party to a conflict, right? We mm. have a better way. We will mm. use this technology to break apart the stalemate to fix this world. And it's just, it's it's that same, yeah, we're children, we're idealistic, we get into this and we'll change the way the world works. And that's mm -hmm. like, when I keep seeing more of these Gundam-like, or at least, you know, these kind of tropes that I, I've seen in them, I'm just, I'm all on board. I was on board from the beginning, because I'm a big Mecha fan, but as they get more into the war is hell, the real, you know, kind of message behind the original series, I love it way too much. Um, Which see, I, 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 I get the reasoning from the orphans, and I'm just like, <laughs> that sounds stupid. Because it's like, we're yeah, going to use cool. these and we're going to turn it against Valens. But first, we're going to fight the good guys. and Dude, no, don't fight mm. us. We're with you. Like, tell us what your plan is and we'll, like... Yeah, like, we got know. the G-Warrior here. Just, like, <laughs> yeah. high-five us. Yeah. Like, yeah. tag us right. in, you know? That is the weakest component of this for me. Sure. And it was so mm. frustrating to me. Like, there are they, they need to finish the weapon. That's mm -hmm. the thing. Is that yeah. they think they need yeah. to finish yeah. it. They need to, like, collect the data or whatever. That's, that's the, the excuse. But you're right. That you're right. Sense. It's weak. It's weird. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's just like, it's one of those moments where the linear nature of Final Fantasy XIV does not bother me most of the time. I'm like, this is a compelling mm -hmm. story. I'm having fun. There's so many other ways for me to have agency in this world. And then there are these rare moments where I'm like sitting at my computer like, oh my God, just send someone an email. Why can't <laughs> I choose to not kill them? Why right, dumb, I, dumb you know, kids. Yeah. It's just these like, it's these little moments. And I do think that at these, just like you said, there's context there's there's like a reason to make it still hang together mm -hmm. but i i wonder if in this next portion there is going to be something that shakes this up for us because it, it does feel to me like if we just go and kill another kid knowing what we know that's awful you know mm -hmm. what i mean and it's just like but at the well, same time they have this setup where maybe the daughter gets into one and you know so on and mm -hmm. so forth but it's it's interesting to me that like they're telling this really interesting nuanced narrative in the context of a series of primal like primal fights where we have to fight the thing and then defeat it <laughs> so i feel i feel like it at this point there's no other place for it to go other than alphonse tries to pull something on valens valens kills mm -hmm. alphonse and then pilots the thing himself and then we know yeah. where that goes but we fight valens yeah. and diamond weapon i think that's where it log like logically would go because i can't see them with a side quest like this to keep Valens around afterwards for something in the yeah. future. So we're going to have to finish die. him off yeah. at some point. And the only way we would do that is if we fought him. I'm, I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil any Gundam, but what I'm, what I'm seeing here is a, is a Pyrrhic victory. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we, we defeat diamond weapon. It's barely functioning. And then they go and kill with, with the barely functioning. And then they die in the process. Like that's that's where I can see it going very well. I hope okay. that it's not right because I want that to be narratively, you know, surprising. But that <sighs> that's a big, big 
theme of some Diamond of Diamond Weapon well. just punches Valens and all the kids yeah. show up oh. with their pokers and they say, burn out the bed, and they just, like, poke <laughs> him to death. Right. I mean, that would be of milk. Or, you know, they that precipitate his end by destroying the facility or something, or making crippling it and then it explodes they, or they, something they, like that. They, they, they defeat the cows, the source of his power. The thing. We it's have true. this yeah. G warrior, so like, I mm-hmm. yes. this would be terrible, yeah. but the G warrior does yes. exist, and part of me is like, I don't know if they put this in just as like a fun little thing, which is possible, or if they put mm-hmm. it in as something that will be used as a vehicle yes. in future storytelling. I would be so happy to never have to deal with the G warrior ever again. I know. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I think, think we won't. Yeah. Really? You I, think I, we won't? Yeah, I, I think um, Arcadian has touched on something, and it's something that I've been suggesting in other places but um so ali is left behind in castrum marinum mm-hmm. because the other orphans want to save her um marinum has been evacuated pending the fight we find her capture her, whatever we ask her where the others are she tells us she doesn't know she definitely does know mm-hmm. um and then she starts talking to people about helping with uh the g warrior um she's gonna She's going to steal the G-Warrior, and she's going to try and take things in her own hands. Hmm. Um, Once they've, you know, finished... So then, so then I guess I guess the question, right, is then do we roleplay as Allie in the G-Warrior? <laughs> uh, oh. She'll be a G-Action. She'll be a G-Ability. Mm. I didn't I mean, think duty, about duty, it. duty ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine's set to I G. I didn't think about it much deeper than, like the 14 team really likes building new systems so that mm-hmm. if they need them in the future they'll have like when the day comes that the budget's not as big and they need to recycle content they'll have as many toys in their toy box as possible yeah and I, I, saw I saw it as like they didn't have the budget to do a full on trial right. but they could do a little sure. instancy thing and so that's, right, they that's could why do, we got the g warrior i saw it i saw it as our like break into ozzy's law moment mm. in this storyline where they just needed a break and to ship some stuff around and to use the budget a little, a little differently and they thought all right if we make the if we make the g warrior and we make it a solo trial we'll have this in the toy box later i don't know if they have any plans for it yet but that's what it struck me as like tone wise yeah and i mean yeah. if you don't steal a gundam is it really a gundam anime like seriously <laughs> if a child doesn't steal a gundam are yeah. you even gundam <laughs> If it flies, but it's attached to the water, is it really flying though? That's... <laughs> if we're if we're going that full on parallel, if we make it to the end without a char clone moment, I'm gonna be back yes. now. We gotta have it. <laughs> I mean, maybe she shows up on the field. Oh God, there's so many possibilities. She can right. either try to like you know halt the other one so that she doesn't lose another sibling, or maybe she shows up and she thinks that maybe I can keep them from going into Oversoul if we fight together, and then you fight two yeah. of them at once, or like. There's a ton of things that they could do. Or maybe she just shows up at the very end and, like, her last sibling has sacrificed themselves and she takes the legacy and does, you know, realizes their dream and kills Valen. She, 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 she utilizes off. that really strong G-Warrior step on, on Valen's yeah. energy yeah. and just... <laughs> yeah. Crushes him. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, it's... I mean, I agree. I think it just... It felt like a little fun mini game, but it mm-hmm. is something that, I mean, yeah, they could bring back. They could use in some other form, I think. It felt like a mini game. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, anything else for Whirlit then before we move on? I think that was pretty thorough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that feels pretty good. All right. This is the last last thing. Uh, Eden's promise. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh. Ethis, do you, you want to? Do you have something that you would like to share with the class? Um, 
can we can we do this in in chronological order? Can we start like at the logical start as opposed to the sure. way the quest line yes. goes? Can I do that okay. real quick? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Flashback, hundred years. Ardbert and crew have finally discovered that their traveling companion, uh, Ciela, is is actually the Shadow Keeper and has been orchestrating everything, all the trials they've gone through to, to groom them to a purpose of which they, they know not. Uh, they confront her. They are supposed to kill her. Her job is for them to kill her. Um, they refuse to and manage to get out of her that she's being puppeteered by these Asians, Mitron and Logriff. So they go to fight Mitron and Logriff, who are not expecting it, who are like, oh dip, these guys have a lot of light in them. This land's got a lot of light in it. This is no bueno. We need a fusion dance to be able to deal with this jabroni. Um, and then, you know, in classic Warrior of Light style, Arbit hits the resultant Asium Prime with a blade of light. And rather than doing what we would expect it to do, what it does is it kills Logriff right out. Just, she's dead. Um, and Metron gets transformed into uh, basically a Sinator. So, so the the thing that um, the thing that uh, that Emmett Selk wanted us to transform into when we took the light from all the light ones, a colossal Sinator that would finish his flood of light. That thing is is basically what uh, Metron became. He became Eden. He became the first Sinator, and subsequently went and caused the flood of light um that as we know minfilia teleported back to the first and stopped by putting it to sleep and that is all that's interesting in eden's promise we don't have to talk about the rest (laughs) well wow well i'm kidding he has this little this little shred of, of of cognizance of his of his mind that is still left within there um but you know as the nature of having your ethereal composition, you know, tossed into the static stagnant pole does. He lies there asleep until um, some jabroni comes to the first and starts to fix things, starts to reverse the polarity in the land, starts to bring darkness and movement back. And Mitron's consciousness in there starts to stir. Um, And after a hundred years, the soul of his old friend Logriff has been recycled and reborn. And he starts to, you know, be able to feel that, to be able to sense it, to be able to start to sort of slowly reach out to it. Um, and uh, when we discover Eden and we start using Eden to reverse the polarity of the land's ether, we're kind of doing that, but more importantly, what we're doing is we're releasing, we're, we're um, fixing the internal ether of Eden. Um, and it gets to the point very, very quickly where Mitron is cognizant enough that he can take control of Gaia temporarily and try to bring her to Eden, to his body, to take possession of it, to, you know, kind of... Do, do it himself and that is of course the um uh e2 mm-hmm. is uh what 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 do we, what do we call it void worker yeah void worker, yeah yeah so that's what's going on there um and then we continue to restore it and uh it gets to the point where we've restored all the elements 
we come back as as we did at the beginning of this patch and go, huh, this is weird. You know, things aren't accelerating the way we 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 thought they would. Um, maybe we put too much umbral, too much light um, back into the land with the whole you know Gaia piloting Shiva thing. Given you know the way she works mm. um let's try and summon a simulacrum of darkness to try and help reverse that polarity so Reen. we fight yes i think you said guy yeah i might have said guy yeah you're right mm -hmm. sorry Reen taking possession of, of shiva yeah, yeah you're quite right Reen piloting yes my mistake sorry. um no 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 that's that's thank you i appreciate that um, so we summon the cloud of darkness because we haven't fought any darkness primals as far as we know and it's the most intuitive thing that we can think of yeah. Is there is there anything to interject there so far? It, you know, it's it's interesting. We go through this Eden storyline, and it's like, okay, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it the, the whole idea is like, man, what has happened to our head and our memories? We get Titan mm -hmm. on a go kart, we get two headed Leviathan. All of a sudden, we get like super sexy cloud of darkness. It's like, what is what are we thinking? <laughs> uh... I feel like she was the closest to what we actually saw at least. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm just imagining the <laughs> bottom half. Right. Exactly. You know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I mean, the, the only note that I would say here is that the, the first lore, especially the hundred years before, was so fertile, right? And mm -hmm. I'm so glad that this is what Eden really was, this yeah. origin story. It's just so, I don't know, it, it makes the first, I mean, it was it, already because of the expansion, it wasn't really a throwaway dalliance mm -hmm. to another place, but it really kind of reinforces what you learned. Um, well, it really makes sense it. now as well. Yeah. This whole this whole first Sinita thing mm -hmm. that Uriange just sort of tossed out there. I mean, that's so weird. Like, did Uriange right. know the whole time? Was he just like name dropping? Like, yeah. wouldn't be the first was, time was he hasn't told big... us something, yeah. right? Like, was this just a big Uriange prank where he knew from the beginning? Right. It was just waiting for us to figure it out. Who knows? Um, but, I did uh, love. This was just a little footnote. I did love hmm. Aldino actually pointed this out uh, on one of our review casts. Um, the connection between all of the different light wardens having names of forms of love, yes, and mm -hmm. then the theme with him this whole time, you know, being love. trapped in there, corrupted, and his love being corrupted, and yep. his desire to be reunited with Logriff almost like, you know, coming through in these light wardens. Yep. But then yeah. all of the attacks that they have being these torture kind of devices, right. and yep. like all of that, I love. I just didn't love. Well, all the we rest. Right. <laughs> we, we knew that, like, until pretty late in Shadowbringers development, Eden was actually supposed to be the final boss of the the Shadowbringers 5.0 MSQ. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that connection now makes a lot more sense as well. Like, it, it really feels like they've they've kind of brought it all back in. Um, but uh, next minute, we defeat this simulacrum of darkness and subsequently you know reverse the start to reverse the polarity of this ether that we believe you know is in the lands but really is in eden um and that's kind of the the spark that mitron needs to sort of have achieved sufficient cognizance to be able to project an image of himself and actually talk to us um so yeah we get there um now Mitron has a problem. He wants to restore <laughs> Gaia's memories. He does. That's such a, like an understatement, I feel. He yeah. has a problem. <laughs> Mitron's got a little problem. Just a small problem. Well, well, his problem is that until recently they had a means to do that. 
um, they had these handy little crystals, these little zodiac stones that we've encountered. Um, but with Emmett Selk and the other Unsundered no longer around, he doesn't have access to those anymore. So he's out of luck on that front. Um, and he's desperately trying to think of another way that he might be able to restore, um, you know, his beloved to her previous state. Um, and, um, it's a little bit of a stretch, but he's like, well, maybe I can summon simulacrums of like powerful images from her memory. So let's have a fight against the Shadowkeeper. Let's have a, a simulacrum of the fight of Arbit and his companions against the Shadowkeeper. Now, this is really cool. We've known since 5.0 that Ciela, the Shadowkeeper, had some sort of relationship with, like, you know, wolves yeah. in some way. The gnolls um, in Lakeland mm -hmm. are sort of believed to have been previous elves that were transformed by the Shadowkeeper, that she had this this sort of ability. Um, and uh, Mitron basically comes out and says, like, yeah, yeah, we, we gave, you know, we sort of enabled, facilitated this ability um, in Scylla to be able to take the form of this great big wolf. I do wonder, this is a weird little footnote. Um, mm -hmm. I was when I was farming fates, I was doing some of the the fates in mm -hmm. that area as well. And there's like the one wolf that was like a Luger lieutenant of yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Don't worry why I know that. <laughs> <You've been doing laughs> I am worried. I am. But when you run D and D campaign on the first, yeah. It's very interesting to me that of all the races, the elves are the ones getting changed into weird yeah. stuff all the time. Like, like the you know dragon blood and the curse mm -hmm. turning them into other stuff. Um, the wolves. I mean, Lalafell got turned into tonberries. I mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. I just... They got the short straw. <laughs> yeah, there's Literally. something interesting about the Elizabeth. Like, I don't know if that's just you know anything greater or if it We're was just tougher. We Elizabeth are just yeah. like you know these yeah. transformations would kill anyone else. We're just yeah. made of sterner stuff. <laughs> that's the way it goes, you know. <laughs> we know who the um, Elizabeth in the room are now. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i was really stoked to have this fight against silver Absolutely. and seeing that transformation i know mitron said like oh yeah yeah i facilitated that i enabled her to do that i can't help but wonder if that wasn't like or or would have been her sort of void scent transformation if sure. she'd hung around there a little bit longer before being spirited away by elitibus because yeah. um kukulin is ostensibly another warrior of light and we've seen um what his riastrad yeah. is over there yeah it's interesting would it have been like a form she turned into or is there any kind of parallel to i mean even the ancients that used to be able to you know use their bodies mm -hmm. it seems in some kind of way to facilitate a primal summoning or like shiva with isail no. um mm -hmm. huh yeah i don't know yeah this is this is one of those times I think like we're we're thinking about connecting a lot of dots that they might have not have been thinking about connecting sure. at the time, but they're going no. to now. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> because taking notes. I mean, like even even us even us while we're talking about it, we can look at Kukulian and be like, well, that was because of his aura sight. Well, did Silva have an aura sight? Mm -hmm. We haven't talked about Silva's aura sight. Did she still have an aura right. sight? Would that have played yeah. into her wolf transformation? What about mm -hmm. the void scent? How does that tie to the sin eaters? Yeah. Like these are just these are slimes they haven't whacked yet. That's mm -hmm. 
Um, I like that extended metaphor. Well, well that's, that's <laughs> the thing is like, from what we know, the 13th submitted to a flood of darkness, uh, darkness because the warriors of light there were using Aurasite and defeating Primals right. with Aurasite, absorbing Primals with Aurasite, Primal Engine's bleeding out, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, and that maybe, yeah, maybe the wolf is a kind of like Lukavi thing. Maybe. Anyway, it's we'll fun. know. We'll we'll know someday because if yeah, they don't someday. tell us, we'll just annoy them about it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we'll just we'll keep bringing it up at interviews until they're like, "Fine." Mm. Um. So that doesn't quite work. So Mitron decides that. Well, you know these these crystals that um, Emmett Salt made to restore the memories. You know the the memories um to to implant you know false memories of his written accounts of his previous friends into these people um why why couldn't mitron sort of do the same thing and just give her like his secondhand memories of her by forcing her to do the fusion with him again yeah. um just something he's obviously been obsessing over for for a hundred years um, so they do that, and then he's like, and now I'm going to kill you with your own hopes and fears. Mm -hmm. Um, both of which turn out to be Rin's daddy issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we fight her daddy issues. Yeah, Danjeet, or, uh, you know, yeah. double daddy. What is yeah, Rancred, Danjeet. Yeah, Rancred. Yeah, I actually it's funny because I actually liked that concept and fight far more than I did the Shiva nonsense. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, yeah. in theory, at least that made sense the whole time. They're like, yeah, and and then Rain's gonna go and channel Shiva and it's gonna be fun. No, that's a terrible idea. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. Rianjay knew it was. She oh, has to yeah. learn these things herself. You know, because they're going yeah, to leave sure. her alone there. I mean, <laughs> that it's is true. the best argument I've seen for that dumb decision yeah. yet. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, Child needs to learn that channeling a primal into oneself is a bad yeah. idea. We, we, <laughs> were, we were there. Yeah, yeah. We were there babysitting. Oriage trusts us mm -hmm. to babysit. It's, <laughs> it's just like that. That it's so funny. That one design, mm -hmm. I almost would have rather seen at the like culmination of the last tier and then have it transition into a, like the, a second phase or something with the savage where she, her true fear is that presence of Heidelin that dominated her life so sure. much. And like, like that feels so compelling to me. Whereas a lot of the like Shiva stuff just feels more like a ice and light kind of are the same. Man, and Shadow would, Ringers like... has ruined us. We think all the good stuff is bad now. <laughs> no, it's, it's like, actually going to be the enemy. Reen's fear is actually going to be Heidelin. And... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but when you think about it, like her individuality was eclipsed by mm -hmm. this legacy, right? This threat. And like that's mm -hmm. her whole arc through Shadowbringers. Like whether or not she's going to be her own person or she's going to give into Minfilia and the legacy of the light. And like all of that feels very culminative for me, for her as a character to overcome that fear. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I mean, I liked this fight. It feels a little bit out of place in the otherwise narrative that's focused on, yeah, Gaia sure. and like the low griff thing and the you know yeah um but it's cool it's an interesting concept yeah i mean it is gaia's journey but it's also it is also reen's journey into sort of self-actualization 
mm. um, and making a friend, um, <laughs> which is important too, because you know, it, as at the end, it's the power of friendship, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was gonna say, as Darth says in the chat, there's that little bit yeah. of Fantasy Eight reference with Grievous. Oh yeah, so sure. Like, yeah. Is yeah. There. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. fair. That's true. Um, so obviously that doesn't work, um, and you know, while Mitron is at this um, fusion rejoining, I hesitate to say rejoining because rejoining is so loaded, mm-hmm. um, and has so much ether, so so much ether in him at the moment. He's got all of that ether that um, that Ardbert tossed into him, all that light ether. He's got all of the ether that we've been surreptitiously collecting from him around the empty um and now having you know reintegrated low griff is like i'm just gonna keep going um i'm going to i mean this is really interesting because on one hand we're constantly wondering now right the sundanassians whether they are still tempered whether they are beholden to zodiac now that the unsunded or gone or whether they can do their own thing and um you can look at what mitron does here kind of from both directions on one hand he's trying to rejoin all of space and all of time um and of course this is a final fantasy 8 reference as well that was ultimatia's like idea is that she's gonna be you know the the god of everything this sort of uh like um uh a pantheist presence of reducing all of time and space into this one this one moment um but for mitron it's this it's this one moment of him being connected with logriff um the question i have for you guys is is that consistent with zodiac's deal is it consistent with the asian modus operandi is it like a, a perversion of that that perhaps you could get away with while still being tempered or is this a, a completely different motivation? I know I know this might not be like super important, mm. but for me, I'm constantly looking at this this problem of whether or not the rest of these Asians right. are strictly tempered or not. That's something that I've really been thinking about um, because it's the aftermath that we really like. That's that's where the the fertile ground is because now that they're mm-hmm. completely untethered, what is their motivation? How many of them are there on every single star? Because they've been working simultaneously everywhere. So mm. it's, it's one of those things. And to me, I, you know, it could go either way. But I really think that his, his um, I don't know, fervor for Zodiac has just been replaced with maybe even expunged by the Blade of Light. And now all he has left is that love, that I need this. This is the only other thing that I know other than Zodiac. Maybe I mean I I don't have I, I, evidence. I feel I kind of agree with that. I just I feel like all of Mitron's actions are very personal. They just uh, right. I mean, I mean they all kind of are though. Like it's so funny yeah. to me because I mean obviously there there is kind of a foundation in the discussion about Zodiac tempering, you know, the people that summoned or his followers. And yeah, I've always wondered too because it seems to me, and of course this could just be very subversive temper. You know what I mean? But it's always seemed to me like they were all brought together by the idea of, I mean, being almost heroes to their own people, right? This idea Mm -hmm. of bringing back this world we made this promise to, and that being a huge thing that anchored them through Zodiac. And so for me, I've always been very curious about how the the Asians tempering, if it exists, may be different than what we understand of tempering. 
Um, but also just like, I mean, if there is a tempering, how, you know, how does it actually seem to affect them? Because it does not seem the same as it is mm. with other entities that we've encountered. Well, you know, we, we know that, I mean, we, we kind of name dropped him earlier, the drowned, the uh, captain uh, was Madison, right? In Sestasha mm -hmm. Hardware. Yep. The idea of, you know, I, I think we used to refer to it as like over tempering. Um, yeah. you, you know, the idea of where the mind, yeah, it's, you know, it's still tempered, but then the body goes and and get does go goes through like a, a harsher transformation stuff. What if there's like an opposite thing where the body doesn't change, but the mind gets sure. gets more you know manipulated I mean, or something? I don't know. We've been talking about this a lot because of like we've been focusing on a different section of it. We've been focusing on why was Emmett Salk able to make an Azem crystal? Right. If that you know like, but my take on that is that even if you're tempered, it doesn't influence every single thing that you are and there might be things in your mind that the, the tempering just doesn't give a damn about like if you sit down and have a cheeseburger and you're tempered how did you choose a cheeseburger how does that right. help zodiac like you know like i feel like if in your mind it's not inconsistent with anything that's the foundations of your life now that this is the one true god and you serve their interests if you're not explicitly at odds with that i, I think it just skates by mm. i think for example, like with Emmett Selk being able to make the Azem crystal, that to look into his mind, that was just, that doesn't affect Zodiac. You know, that was a pre-Zodiac law that we don't remember the defectors. And mm, right. that I think that I'm just being loyal and nostalgic to a friend. And worst, worst case scenario, I've done this weird thing and best case scenario we fix the world and I have a way to bring my friend back. And maybe mm. they're going to help Zodiac too. Um, you don't know. It's like unless you know. it's ex explicitly against it, I don't think it's a big problem. Yeah, but to like ramble, okay. oh, it's ramble a little bit about like the answer to that specific question. Please. Um, I grade Eden on the curve because, like you said, it's a delicate balance. It was supposed to be the the final boss of 5.0. It took on a life of its own when it became like a Nomura designed raid. Um, Orianger let us re reminded us out of the bat. It's the first Sin Eater. We'll come back to it. Don't worry. Hmm. Um, so I let a lot of it go as an extension of that understanding that it was just the final boss that took on a life of its own. We learned stuff six months later than we should have. It was filled with all sorts of stuff that wouldn't have been there otherwise. Um, in terms of the ASEAN stuff that you're referring to, I see it as more of that Japanese worldview, the interplay between mind, body, and spirit. As, as Gaia mm -hmm. starts, as Gaia starts to remember who she was, she forgets who she is, mm -hmm. and as she becomes more of who she was, we see that arguable tempering bleeding back through the sigil appearing over her face. That mm -hmm. kind of like that drive d disappearing and her becoming a little more blank. So yeah, maybe that's the tempering because when Emmett Selk wasn't nuanced about it, he tempered us not he mm -hmm. tempered the three of us not he tempered just some of us just he tempered us his summoners so i have to assume that they're tempered but only mm -hmm. if they remember who they are because that's the only way they will be the people who were tempered right right um i, I think you make a, a good point there that um creating the azem crystal doesn't necessarily subvert zodiac but for my money reducing all of time and space to this single moment of Mitron and Logriff 
and they are the the sole united consciousness of all existence that seems like like yeah they're doing a rejoining but it seems pretty dang subversive mm -hmm. to zodiac and bringing back that's, amarat that's where i come back to mm -hmm. i think it was Al aldino's point that like in the past we've seen when you're on the verge of death mm -hmm. tempering seems to go away mm -hmm. so that's our question is mitron then free of that or do sure. we have that open-ended question because it's not like we don't end yeah. even with open-ended questions we've got yeah. a lot of questions oh, yeah. we've got them talking about how in in 2.0 what would have annihilated an Asian soul forever actually just sent him back to the live stream they'll be back <laughs> we've got questions mm -hmm. yeah. so like my que my question is is this one of those questions or was the answer one of the plot points mm. You know, and it could trace back to his corrupted love. You know, Zodiac, that that drive is a love his for corrupted the old... body. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's this, I want things to go back to where it was. I want these people that I had, you know, the love for these people. I will do whatever I need to do. And then it just kind of twisted into, it's a rejoining, but it's not. But I, I don't, I agree with you, Athos. I don't know how you could, it, it's hard to argue that that's what Zodiac would have wanted. So it's it's one of those really weird places, you know. So I think well, I, I think it, we can all agree that at least he's become some perversion yeah. of what he was. And I mean Certainly. like again, literally, physically, mentally. Yeah. It's well it's they interesting, right? Because you, you can't be mm -hmm. tempered by more than one primal, right? So if you have a, a, a allegedly, so if you have yeah. a tempered Mitron, but then the you know, the the whole Sin Eater transformation yeah, thing happens, then what what does that do? Does that does he is he still tempered and this other thing just happens to happen to him or does that I mean, like overwrite the tempering purpose? Annoying question. <laughs> if someone was tempered and you put them in a weapon and you used Oversoul, would would it take? Is Oversoul like tempering but very because you're wiping away their memories, right? And implanting the memories of this person. You know what I mean? I don't mm -hmm. know. Could you, you Oversoul know, someone who's tempered? It it just seems. It's more weird. and more like tempering isn't such a big deal anymore right. <laughs> that we can override it if we're we can... solving it from 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 pigs made from clay i think uh yeah, yeah. It's, it's i really yeah, think he used he used mm -hmm. his time powers to huff a pixie pig <laughs> yeah i, I mean i really sorry go ahead Rick. no i think we all have so many thoughts and feelings right mm. now um i mean it is it's pretty wild there's so many different I think hypotheticals to so sure. much of this and like throwing an entire other huge wrench into it is the entire conception of like the echo and being immune to tempering, which, you know, it's like, okay, so um, if the ancients were more intact or had something or they were immune to this force in some kind of way, or it didn't really happen for them until Zodiac, is there something that has to do? Like, there's just so much weird stuff, like mm -hmm. what layers can be affected? and then how other groups kind of replicate it. But it mm. does make me think that like, you know, there are so many things in our world, even just in like medical or scientific advancements that, I mean, seem like the biggest, most inevitable, most, you know, this is a thing that will always kill the people that come down with it, or mm -hmm. this is a thing that will always be a thing until you figure out what is happening behind it. And it's tough because I think it's always walking in fantasy, that line of midi like midichlorians and, oh, yeah. and like, you know, having believable structures and, you know, believable systems that have coherency to them. 
because like on one hand magic is kind of magic and i think there's a lot that it can encompass mm. um to explain every single thing is difficult but we are seeing them like you were saying smash the slime and it really does seem like they're trying to give some coherency to it so i mean it's to me personally the differentiation with the weapon is that it seems to be something that would specifically target memory and replace it. Kind mm -hmm. of like how with the stuff that we've seen in Boja, right? The idea of false right. memories being something mm -hmm. facilitated with the crystals and people who have the ability mm -hmm. to manipulate it or yeah. like, and then the body being merged into this suit and used as like fuel for the process, yeah. you know, mm. whereas something with tempering seems to be more of a, large-scale ethereal yeah. affectation of an individual that exerts well, another's will over them but <laughs> we 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 know from this patch i mean yishtola puts her finger on it that there is a, a significant memory component to tempering as well she says mm -hmm. that if if we restore the ethereal balance of these people without erasing the memories that they've had since being tempering what they're going to remember is being obsessed with this this primal being obsessed with this god and and this desire to you know worship them and summon them and and whatever um so it's another thing of like well when when like the Asians crystals were created were they created with that in mind were they created with accounts sort of like um you know pretend pretend like you're writing a crystal oh and logriff um looked like this and she had this for breakfast did they also write and she loved zodiac so much <laughs> because it seems it seems that that is it seems that that at the core of it is the difference between whether or not the Asians are tempered when you restore mm -hmm. their memories is have you restored memories of them being tempered right that's a good point actually mm -hmm. i didn't even think because i uh, you know, we were talking earlier about the idea of like, if they are reincarnated or things like that, are they still beholden to something right. like tempering? If, you know, it's uh, one of the entities that's been elevated and given this crystal, are they still tempered? Like, mm -hmm. that is, the I crystal think... tell them if they are or not. Yeah, I think that's a big Maybe delineator. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so that, that's, I that's why I keep bringing up that association, that Japanese specific mm -hmm. association right. between mind, spirit, body, soul, because there it could yeah. be as easy as wrapping it up by saying, if you remember who you are and who you are was tempered, you're tempered. Yeah. yeah. You know, what happens to a tempered person that dies, returns to the live stream, and is reborn? Like, that's not, I don't want to. Yeah, them. they're usually okay because they're a new person, right? Yeah, they don't right. remember. Yeah. Heidel and yeah. go in there and be like, no, 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 I, mean, I, I just picked know? the bits up. Yeah, I don't know. But the the thing the thing with the Asian crystals is they're not your memories. Mm -hmm. They're secondhand. Um, so it's like, you. yeah, yeah. So so suddenly it's like, okay, well, to what extent are you? Do you remember the person who you were? It might be it might be different for different Asians, for all we know. You know, like I'm I'm again. I think I think Moose really nailed it with the metaphor of the slime. Is like mm -hmm. cut the slime in half, and they're like, "All right, what do we got? What problems do we got? What do we have to hit next?" Um, and I'm a little bit worried that there's, it's just slimes all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know what slime atomism looks like. <laughs> I, I hate to I hate to I hate to burst anyone's slime here, but. Mm. This is a fictional game. It, it is slimes sure. all the way down. No, the yes. what is, it's the, uh, the the eighty no. slimes been... of uh... my verisimilitude. How dare you? <laughs> I Ken believe it was Kenichi Iwa isn't even here anymore. Yeah. 
Um, uh, okay, so finally with mm -hmm. Eden, Guy's memories have all been smashed. We presumably destroy Mitron, excise him from the equation, whatever. Um, and what's left is Guy with no memories in the void of her own mind. Um, she has this crystal that uh, that her her bestie gave her and apparently it is also containing memories apparently she's also been imprinting memories upon it um of her time um together and it's enough to bring her back to trigger her back power of friendship yep and flowers and stuff and the empty is good again and it's yeah a one for one yeah. recreation of eight's ending which yes, I wasn't mad about. which is really cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was I was excited about it's that. Great. Even no. if the rest of all the other components, it was made it was really it, it was it was very interesting because we we had uh you know we had like the Omega raids right which were very like okay so now you're gonna fight X Death and you're gonna fight mm -hmm. Kefka and fun. then we get Eden is announced and we're like oh okay and then it's like they drop like random one-liners that are like nods to things and then it's like and then here's the ending for mate <laughs> well and then all know, these we... other things that you fought and you're like what are these all right <laughs> we have to remember that it was the last boss and then they pivoted right that you know yeah. eight was probably not even involved in any way shape or form and that's actually yeah. so interesting i did not know that i had not mm. heard that yet i had no idea that it was supposed to be the final boss which is so funny because we've talked even just in our other reviews of right. like the overall raids and stuff where I'm like, why wasn't Eden the last mm -hmm. boss of this? Like, yeah. I just don't get why we started with it. Well, there you go. Um, so, I mean, it definitely feels like it was meant, yes, as like an entity, as an icon to be a finale. And I really don't have a problem with them putting it into the form of a raid. I love that the mm -hmm. raid set for once, you know, they kind of brought it back. The, the raids need to have some kind of big importance right like that's yes. that's the reason alexander flopped so hard after we got binding coil was it's like oh there's like this giant machine over here it's like sucking up all the ether and stuff but you know you don't need to worry about it if you don't have time for it it's like i think alexander is <laughs> cool i think like the style and themes and they've tied it in later like i think all of that is neat but yeah it feels as though having this super epic battle and sets of battles really is a great finale so like tying it in some way to the actual relevant culmination right. of story in some facet, I think isn't a bad move. Um, overall, I did not love how all the pieces came together, but even just like the actual hearing the timeline, the stuff relating specifically lore-wise to what happened on the first and the, you know, Asians there, that I think is pretty solid. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, it does raise some interesting questions about, yeah, like the nature of them, mm. their composition. I mean, Gaia as an entity, right? Again, if like she has gained any of those memories back and or like you were saying, Ethies, we've seen what could be signs of her own tempering, but she also got herself back, but she can travel between the different charts. Like there's potential there mm -hmm. that, you know, um, I think we could see her come back, but it does raise some interesting questions again about the larger scale of tempering and all that stuff. Right. Gaia shows up to to pilot the G Warrior. Yeah. So, well, what do we think they they might do in the future with it? Listen, Gaia cannot travel between shards without sacrificing her body. Right. And and like that was a huge thing for Artman and crew for the Asians. It's mm -hmm. like 
you can't smell, you can't taste, you can't feel the sun on your skin. Mm. Um, like it's a huge, huge sacrifice, a huge commitment to make. And this idea of God just being like, well, yeah, I guess I could look into doing that. It's like, Mm-hmm. So she'll yeah. she'll she'll make her own familiar and and transfer her consciousness over oh, to the familiar. So we'll get a porksy Gaia. Well, yeah, um, I mean that's. <laughs> just got like the ruffle cravat, yeah. but and but, really but it'll be a porksy Gaia with like the long yeah. the long black hair and like a little little gothy collar. Like oh boy, oh, yeah, no 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 no. <laughs> um, hmm. You any know, anything else? I think with that Rudy? about wraps that up. So. Is there anything else? for 5.4 i think we we pretty much went over everything that there is to go over and and then some there is minus the void quests that we were going to cover in a separate sort of thing yeah i I mean i think that's the main bulk from what i can think there was something in chat about the Mm. crystals oh yeah i was about to say are we are we gonna skip are we just not gonna talk about the gate ride crystal Uh, oh okay There's, I mean, yeah. I have feelings about that, but they're not lore specific. Oh, they're lore specific. I mean, okay, there's, there's, there's two. The easiest there's, reason is it's a signifier that they're gay. Okay, Rena and Gaia are gay. They're gay. You could you could summarize this whole story as Mitron was eaten and he wants to get back with his old girlfriend, but we're like, he's you know she's a lesbian now, Harold, kill him, and they live happily ever after and that's yeah, yeah. but like the thing Kill i was him. joking about yeah. the thing i was joking about with everyone is like when you cut outside there is no reason in the world for the elements to be in that order in that crystal that's not the order they're in on the wheel that's not the order yeah. we fought the it's not in. That's okay not, so they're not so they're never not going either in that order but i believe they they're not are... going from like static to act no, but I believe they are. Aren't they actually in the order that like, somebody should co- uh, corroborate this? Aren't they actually in the order of the pride flag? Which yeah, I do believe so. Which is OK. So like, here's the thing as and I mean, we've talked about this on our LGBT podcast, but specifically as somebody who is LGBTQIA plus in this world, you know, it's like. I am glad if that is what they are, you know, representing and depicting. Do I think they really, as we were saying earlier, whole assed it? No. Oh, like, probably I'm not. sitting there with my other stream team members uh, who are part of, you know, Rainbow Arcade, which is an LGBT stream team, and we're all messaging about it. And everybody's like, some people are like, oh man, I'm so excited. It's confirmed. Other people are like, what? I think that's I think that's the deliberate choice they made that some people are going to look at it Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, they're girlfriends. And some people are going to be like, oh, it's a nature scene because, yeah, nature scene rainbow. So but yeah, there's literally no reason for the elements to be in that order, except that somebody wanted to invoke a rainbow. So I'm just sitting around going, why? (laughs) I mean, I guess if we're looking at it outside of the LGBT perspective, the idea of a rainbow can indicate, you know, peace and harmony right. and, you know, uh, like, again, a crystal. when you yeah. project light through a crystal, you get rainbows. And yeah. you get a rainbow. Yeah. yeah so, like like, so, yeah, it, I don't think they, I think they were kind of like you're saying, I think they were vague with it on purpose. Take it yeah. how you want. You can't, you, you have to also think about culturally and, you know, kind of the trappings around it where it's not. It's not really, you can't really be on the nose about it in, in some countries. Maybe Japan well, is a little bit. Japan reason. literally just right. had public yeah. hearings. Like, yes. Japan literally just had public hearings about legalizing gay marriage. Like, yes. this is an issue that is relevant exactly. in Japan. And but they like, don't want to step on the landmine. You know the what reason I mean? That I, you do, you should. You should. Be uh, you should. You should. The thing, they, like, they don't want to. 
I mean, of course, but it is one of those things where I think a lot of people, and this is just, again, my own perspective, right. but we're like, a lot of people, if we are going to get representation in a game, give representation in exactly. a game. It doesn't have to be over the top. It doesn't have to be, you know, like you can literally just like, and I mean, there are beats in this story that do seem to form parallels that would have a romantic connotation. But it's one of those things where if I am going through in my head, like what are canonical confirmed LGBT pairings that I know from media I consume, these two are not going on that list for me. And like, mm -hmm. it's, it's mm -hmm. tough because on one hand, I mean, we had that little teaser on Twitter, even from the Square Enix team that was like, oh, yeah. my favorite chip kind of thing. And everybody was like, please don't, please don't, unless you're going to actually do right. this. And I don't know if we right. can say after this yeah. is certainly that, what they did. But that's, is that's there why I think patient? Yeah. Sure. That's why I think it's important. Like, all jokes aside, I brought it up for a reason. And the reason mm -hmm. is that I firmly believe that it was probably intended to be ambiguous, but that somewhere mm -hmm. down the pipeline, there's going yeah. to be like a, a live Q&A and someone's just going to snag yeah. that mic and be like, hey, Yoshida, are they girlfriends? Oh, and yeah. like, it helps to have our thoughts crystallized on this before that happens. Or... The whole story becomes about the person who asked the question. Right. You know what would be nice? is if somewhere down the line, the two of them just show up in the storyline, do something, hold hands, share a kiss, something, and it's not even commented on. It yeah, just happens. Not mm -hmm. It's not a big mm -hmm. deal. And they just go on. That's that's the that's the thing, right? You don't want them to be too like heavy handed with, with confirming it, but you want them to confirm it at the same Absolutely. time, right? So yeah. hopefully I mean, this is tough. Something happens, think, but, but you know, we'll see. I don't know if we'll I see both of them again. Rook was right that like the the PR around those two characters and you know sort of enabling the shipping um, was it felt like like bait you know mm -hmm. it felt like a little bit too good mm -hmm. to be true um, and I would also have been upset by the fact that it was never like it was left so ambiguous and was never confirmed if that wasn't the mo for Final Fantasy XIV's narrative there is sure. no canon couple in the game. Well, there um, are NPCs that are confirmed sure, to be, yeah. but like as we broke down on our actual LGBT episode, and and I see in the chat too, right? The the idea of they don't we don't want them to shove it down our throats, right? And that's not what we're saying specifically, right. right? When it comes to things like that, I think there is a response from people sometimes who don't want to see diversity or representation in games to use hot topic phrases like that. Mm -hmm. But what what I think I'm saying more, and what I think a lot of us are saying is just that normalizing the diversity of peoples and sexualities and all of the spectrum that that encompasses in our world is something that in turn normalizes it to an audience or a player base. Like Guild Wars 2, for example, is a great sort of example to hold up to this because they have canonical LGBT couples in the game. Um, they kiss in the cutscenes. But is it the kind of thing where every single time you see them, it's like a discussion about every social issue that could ever come down on their head? It no, shouldn't be. Yeah. No, because they are just living their lives as people in a world that accepts them. And mm -hmm. like having both forms of representation is important and valid because we do need to discuss those larger issues. But especially in a game that I think in some ways is pushing a little bit with like ungenderizing clothing and things like that, they are pushing some of the things and they seem to be aware of them. Definitely. Seeing them commit large scale to yeah. something like this could have been a huge moment. It could have been a huge thing, especially for the LGBT community that plays this game. So mm. that's why I think that discussing it and talking about it 
And like you were saying, um, Moose, it, it is something to bring up because mm -hmm. I think there are ways you can justify both, both with the parallels of the Final Fantasy VIII ending and the fact that it's a romantic story there, the romantic tones in this one, the specific composition of colors, absolutely. And if you are an LGBT person and you want to read into it, do it. But like, it is one of those things too, where I think you got to commit if you're going to make yeah. that really a thing. And right. you know, if you, if you're going to put that in there to avoid, you know, mm -hmm. the, again, another issue of, of queer baiting or things like that, like to be able to say boldly as a company, we stand behind our diverse players is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I, and that's, I think, you know, it's and that's kind one of, of the places opportunity. This is one of the opportunity. Yeah. Right. This is one of the, I was just about to say, mm -hmm. this was an right. opportunity to do one of those or yeah. the other. Um, mm -hmm. Because my, like, I usually consider myself an archivist. I put down what is confirmed. And I can justify anything, which is part of the problem. I can be like, oh, it's a rainbow because that's what happens when you split the light. We've defeated the flood. It's gone through a prism. Like, I can defend anything I want to, but that doesn't make it right. So, like, mm -hmm. I'm an archivist, and that's what it comes down to. Is if, if we're going to see people claiming it was one thing or the other, we should have our thoughts together on what is actually confirmed and what it actually might be. Right. Yeah, they, they, they stopped one step. Mm -hmm. you know yeah away from it and that, and that's that's yeah. disappointing i it was yeah. disappointing for me because again after seeing the pr i really thought that they were yeah. going to just do it i i can't help i mean this this is like an entire different podcast that we could right. we could do <laughs> yeah. so maybe we'll throw a turtle bonding in there we'll tell yeah. it do a whole oh, two yeah. hours well okay yeah. I, I i'm not i'm not going to belabor it but the impression that I had and that a lot of people had around the eternal bonding thing is that Yoshida wanted it to be like that way from the start. And that the problem is that you have so, in, in, in a large company like Square Enix, you have mm -hmm. so many different agendas, you're being pulled in so many different directions that sometimes either it takes time or sometimes you can't, like you can step in the direction that you want, but not necessarily to the extent that you want. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So, I think that if we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt, Yoshida probably really did want to seal the deal there um, and came as close as he could. Yeah. And I think we got to, ultimately, we got to take that as a win, I guess. It's, it's true. Hopefully a small step towards, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's not, yeah. it's not a huge step. I mean, it's a medium step towards. That's, I mean, that's, that's the thing is, but, is you know, they, you know, the, we have the, the the eternal bonding stuff, but they've they've always been taking little steps, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? They'll they'll have something like the like the Ren and Gaia relationship, or they'll they'll have a, a parade at a LGBTQ like mm -hmm. or a float at a parade or something. But there's never just been like a straight up like here's a couple. Yeah, right. and um, it is tough when you look at other games that are coming granted from other studios in very different environments. I mean, like we were saying. Sure the actual geographical location or culture surrounding various games, it is important to acknowledge. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not like ignoring that, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, even in WoW with the new expansion mm -hmm. we've had, our, like the first trans character that's yep, been confirmed. I mean, in ESO, there's a ton of same-sex couples all over the place, just everywhere. Um, Guild Wars 2, like I said, has some main characters in the like main lineup of characters that are LGBT. It's definitely something that is out there on the table right now and that even just the world and lore of final fantasy seems to back up like if you are looking for all those little tiny npcs and the little mm -hmm. tiny things that are in there like it seems as though 
same-sex couples do exist in the world and it seems as though from the ones major one being those tonberry npcs but mm -hmm. their mm -hmm. interracial coupling was apparently more controversial than their same-sex coupling that they talk about so it's like it's there mm -hmm. and yeah this step was definitely a step and ethys i can feel what i can i can feel what you're saying like i do mm -hmm. feel as though maybe there was a desire to do that but they were forced to stop short which is just unfortunate and i hope that you know things continue to change so that they can just make the world more open and more diverse yeah. because things move better. a little bit slower in japan um you know they they still haven't reached that pivotal moment of legalizing same-sex marriage um so it's tough and you know it's not necessarily something that we should like give them a free pass on but it is important to kind of keep that context in mind um mm -hmm. but i think we're on the same page yeah. with that right that we that yeah. we ship them that we yeah, ship that we ship them. Oh, yeah. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> There's Absolutely. justification there for them being romantic. Oh, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> they are a couple in my head. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, all that matters. Yeah, they, they go, they go, they go for uh, sky slip rides together. I mean, yeah, yeah. Mm. All right, I dubbed that our new metaphor. Characters, characters that we ship are like going for coffee cakes together. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's the new coffee, coffee cakes are the new symbol. I like it. There you go. There you go. Uh, all right, Coffee that is great. going to do it. Any last thoughts on 5.4? Underrated patch. I've seen a lot of people trashing it and saying mm -hmm. the MSQ for this is weak. Um, it's one of those chapters that um, perhaps in, in its own content feels a little bit weak, but the it's a stepping stone patch. For it, right. Exactly. And the implications yeah. for it are so massive. And I'm oh, yeah. so, so excited um, for the rest of the ride to, to sit The top of that roller coaster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I refuse to judge this patch as weak or strong um, based on Fair. the circumstances, the circumstances that we're in, um, the sure. COVID era, the way that production has changed. I mean, even the voice, act the voice mm -hmm. acting was different. The planning was different. Mm -hmm. We're trying mm -hmm. to move towards a new expansion without having any promotion for it yet. So I would say that this patch to me is just awkward. Mm -hmm. Is it still going to be awkward next year when I look at it in the big picture or in retrospect? I don't or, know. Or will it be awkward once we get the 6.0 teaser? Yeah. Right. Will it be awkward right. later? W yeah. yeah. So I, I, I cannot come comment at all on whether I think this patch was good or bad, weak or strong. I think right now it feels a little awkward. And maybe it will for a reason, and maybe it won't. I don't know. I've got an open mind. Yeah. Uh, a couple of people in the chat saying void quests. Um, so <laughs> we, we've we've talked about this a few times. Um, just because of the kind of higher barrier to entry um, required to get the void quests on, we're not going to talk about them quite yet. Um, we do have plans at some point. Um, we're going to bring uh, Pook back, and we're going to talk about void quests in, in, in depth. So um, not for this episode, just because, you know, it's easy to jump in, get the MSQ done, and and that's that. But for the void quests, there's there's a little bit more involved. So I would argue um, they deserve their own episode if you bring in certainly. the old stuff. We, we are we're, we're gonna, gonna give them their own episode. The we're just quests, we're just gonna wait. Gotten a call yeah. High. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're just get it. We're giving them a little more time because um, I need to finish some jobs. So, um, but yeah, we we absolutely will talk about them, just not quite yet. Believe me, I'm exploding. There's all these valid about. reasons about why I can't talk about the void quests. You know, it's, we can't talk about the void quests here because of lore, and it just takes a long time. Also, I have not done them yet. 
Also, so, I don't have a healer at 80. Look, um, <laughs> hey, I, I mean, I didn't do it. I just watched Athos's video. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's true. Yeah. If you want to know more about the Void Quests... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, where, where, where could people find said information about Void Quests since we're, we're getting ready to, to end here, Athos? Yeah, um, yeah, sure. You can, you can find all things about all kinds of quests ni nicely compartmentalized on the Yubtubs. Uh, youtube.com slash ethos asher uh, twitch.tv slash ethos asher i'm live several days a week usually playing final fantasy 14 and answering um all of your weird law questions and telling you that your your head cannon sucks and um <laughs> that your uh character's rp backstory doesn't make any sense um uh, no, seriously though, we have lots of really great law discussions um, live on Twitch pretty much every day. So drop in um, any old time. Other than that, I'm on uh, Twitter at Ethos Asher. Um, yeah, I got lots of cool, interesting stuff coming down the pipeline. So keep an eye out on various channels. And as always, like thank you so much for the platform, the discussion. These are always my favorite, favorite law discussions. Um, because I get to sit down with Moose and the rest of you jabronis who are really invested in it. And um, as usual, like I'm going away with like more more ideas than I had coming in and just feeling like really <clears throat> enthused. My so head's just all like Char Charlayan? Char Charlayan? Yeah. Mm. I know you like, that's that's my big takeaway. That hadn't them. even none of that these, popped in my head. These are genuinely like <laughs> such productive conversations for me um just for like my own stuff so it's really a, an absolute privilege to talk with you guys it's and, always um, good to have you thank yeah. you so much uh moose where can the people find you on the internet uh, everywhere the forums i'm in there a lot um on twitter at anani moose xiv and pretty much every discord server with a lore forum um i'm not much of a content creator in terms of like the traditional movies and stuff like that moose streams every I, single day yeah uh, <laughs> i don't even like i don't even know how twitch works like it's it's it doesn't bad. Same um, but i i archive and i make sense of it and i have conversations with people every day so like really just feel free to bug me on discord anytime Yep. We also have our lower channel on our Discord too, which we'll uh, we'll we'll get to here in just a second as well. So, uh, again, huge thank you for uh, Moose and Ethis for joining us. Again, these are I love these discussions as well. They're always so great. Um, it's always great to have a different perspective on things. You never know what'll what'll happen. Um, so that's gonna do it for us for this week. If you want, you can email us aetherightradio at gamerescape.com. You can find us on Twitter at aetherightradio. Uh, you can find us on our Discord, discord.gd slash gamerescape. Uh, we have our 8th Rate Radio channel on there. We also have our lore channel where you can find Moose poking around and talking about stuff. Uh, and of course, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Gamerscape. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Next week, we will be back with our first 8th uh, Rate Radio proper of 2021. Um, we're still figuring out what that's going to be, but um, there's a lot of cool stuff coming up. We've got the showcase coming up soon. Um, there's going to be lots to talk about there. So um, please look forward to it, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.